0: Oh, I got a live one here.
1: <laughs> hey, we're here, we're live, we're doing it. What's up to our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation? You're watching the Spoiler Alert podcast live stream hunk event. It's an event. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing JLA Avengers because, listen, guys, they they don't make new comics anymore. That is a time of the past. So uh, we decided uh, we can't go a week without talking to each other. So we figured let's talk about some things that we've been wanting to discuss for a while uh, but never had the chance because... Doing, that, doing the spoiler alert every week, man. That's tough. Uh, it's a lot of books to read. And it's just like, as soon as it stops, you got to start the process. It's like painting the Golden Gate Bridge. As soon as you finish, you yeah. got to start all over again. So um, we thought it would be fun to do JLA Avengers, which is an event book from 2004. Yes. Uh, it was four perfect Six. bound issues uh, by George Perez and Kurt Busaic. Busiek? I never know how to say it.
0: I would say Busiak, but I don't know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, at he's got all four of them. Whoa.
1: No,
0: and they were
2: four 64-page books. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, no big no ads, glossy pages in a time when I don't think everything was. Mm-hmm.
2: It oh, by uh, the way,
0: I'm oh, Johnny okay.
1: Destructo. <laughs> With me this week is Len Cruz Webb, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And uh, Brian Lieb. Hey from brianliebdesign.com, and Noel Bartocci, please, go ahead.
3: So by virtue of the fact that we're only really talking about one book, we figured that it would be it would who us to do kind of like a state of the union in the comic book industry, talk about kind of what's going on, maybe mash in a little bit of old-school gutter talk in there, uh, and then talk about the book. Sound cool? Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> plan. So I, I pulled up a couple of... Uh, i prepared a couple of notes, but I think the first thing to talk about is something that's good, that's happy. So now that there's no new comic books happening every single week, uh, a hashtag started, which was hashtag N-T-Y-C-B-D, which is new to you comic book day, um, which is kind of like a, a really, really cool way that uh, the comic comics Twitter has been trying to kind of keep the conversation going about new comic books and like throwing out um, – uh, recommendations and stuff. I, my favorite was uh, Chip Zdarsky pretty much tossed up Next Wave by um, Garth mm-hmm. Ennis and Stuart Eminen. And I was just like, oh, I haven't thought about that in forever. Warren and, wow. Ellis and Stuart Eminen. Warren, yes, es- Warren Ellis. Ellis, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's amazing. It is amazing. We should read it. We, we should do it. it. Um, Have fun. Get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But I thought it was really cool. And then like, start the conversation. Have you guys picked up anything new this week? or um, went back in your stacks and read something that you hadn't been reading before. Yeah, so it's new comic book day, but then we just toss in new to you. Have you guys been reading anything different or new or catching up? Len?
2: Um, Well, let's see. I caught up on Black Hammer. I caught up on Dan Slott's Fantastic Four. Um, What is not new to me, but it was new to somebody that I was talking to the other day. Um, I was doing kind of like watching what the hell were we watching? I can't remember. I forget what the hell we were watching. But I was watching something while on the phone with uh Ariel Johnson of Amalgam Comics, was the uh uncanny triple uh on Black Tribbles, so, cause she's a huge X Men fan. And somehow the conversation got to talking about Teen Titans, and I had mentioned about Teen Titans and X-Men. Team Up from nineteen eighty two, which she not only had never read, she was unaware that it had ever happened. Wait a
0: second, well, it did. Oh, it happened. Hey, wait,
2: what? Oh, you didn't know about this? No.
0: Yeah.
3: In okay. night. Okay. Okay, because I know. I, I know. I know where wait, you're about wait, to go. No.
1: Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait.
3: Okay. This is this is like a teaser for later though. Like in all of the in the research that I looked up, they talked about how they canceled this back in 82 or 83 because this book uh JLA Avengers was pushed off. No, you read what, it what happened? What the notes
2: that you read, I think you may have just either they are, they are wrong or you misread them. Probably, because what they both. were probably both because what they were referring to was what was canceled was the sequel to x-men teen titans x-men teen titans happened it happened in 1982 um it was written by chris claremont famously drawn by walt simonson and it features the x-men and the teen titans getting together to battle dark side who was brought back dark phoenix Yes. I love it. It it's was epic. Was it,
1: though?
2: <clears throat> it, it actually was kind of cool. It's actually well, a cool I, book.
1: I, I see what Noel is saying. Um, it was epic. Mm. Does it hold up, do
2: we think? It does. And do you know my it? proof of it is is that in having this conversation with Ariel, who had never heard of it, just like Noel, I went and purchased the book on the sly for her, had it's it so delivered cool. to her home, she read it and said, "Oh my God! I never knew this existed. This was so cool."
1: I don't remember the format of this. Was it? Is it a single issue or is it like a collection?
2: It's a
0: single issue.
1: Oh, okay. Wow.
0: Big, right? Like,
2: I think it. It may be sixty-four pages because, like, I had it delivered to her, so I don't remember. But it's it. So it may be sixty-four pages. Was um, it, it readily it...
3: available? How much was it? Yeah, would you go on eBay or something?
2: I I bought it. Um. Amazon. I bought it off wow. of Amazon. Oh, and now like
3: The marketplace, like a seller on Amazon?
2: It probably was yeah, uh, yeah. because it took like about a couple of weeks. Like it wasn't like, yeah. well, but now Amazon, I can't even say that because Amazon, even for prime is pushing stuff back unless it's essential, you yeah. know, but, um, yep. but I don't remember it costing like crazy. Like I didn't have to drop like $50 and nothing like that. For
1: oh, it. okay, cool. Nice. Mm. Um, I'm sorry. No, what were you going to ask?
3: I was like the logistics of it. If this was, like, if if back in 1983, this series, JLA Avengers, was canceled because the publishers couldn't come to an agreement, how the fuck did that, like, go through?
0: I think that was, the success of that was what spurred on the possibility of JLA Avengers, so there must have been some kind of change.
3: No, it's the other way around. 1979 is when, like, this was a sparkle in everyone's eye, and then they spent two or three years, because it was supposed to be uh, Jerry Conway and George Perez. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, but then Roy, uh, Roy Thomas started scripting based off of Jerry Conway's story because like it started in '79, and then it for like did nothing for like three, four years, and then in '83 he started drawing it, but then they halted oh. that, and the, the uncanny didn't it, was, it wasn't until '84, and it, like it it still happened even though the other one was canceled. How did that?
0: Here's, here's what I, I put it? forth as what could have happened is that like this was going, they wanted to get this going. Relations between Marvel and DC were okay, um, and it just took a little while to get going. Then, while things were okay, the Teen Titans X-Men book came out, and then they were like, oh, we should also do this JLA Avengers, but something, something fell apart, and then that was that. I don't know.
2: J. L. L. J. L. I mean, X-Men and Teen Titans were definitely, like, the big comics of the time. Yeah. When this first started getting talked about in 1979, it was coming off of the wake of the two um, Spider-Man, Superman team-ups, Batman and the Hulk, um, and I didn't even think Wonder Woman did something. Or th- there may have been another one in between. I can't remember. But um, so then the natural next step is justice league and avengers which is when the conversation starts in 1979 um around th- in the midst of them getting this all together perez not only makes it, it wants to do it yo what's up jamar nicholas who who hit us up um kind of hey, hey, up, Jamar? um not only are the um you know, does George Perez sign on like, yo, I want to do it? Because at the time he was the Avengers, the Avengers artist. But in the midst of all of that, he makes the switch over to DC and takes over Teen Titans. Oh. Teen Titans blows up on the same level as X-Men. And that becomes a fail can play. Like, well, the next thing we got to do is these two, you know. Um, but because Perez is over at... DC and they decide that um, for this combination, Marvel is going to handle the production of it. That's why it's Chris Claremont and Walt Simonson as opposed to Perez, Mm -hmm. which Perez is fine with because when they say, all right, we're going to do this and do JLA Avengers next, Perez says, well, then damn it, I'm doing JLA and yeah. Avengers,
3: yeah, and and like, so um let's save it. Let's save it because there's a whole bunch of really, really cool things. Oh, fuck. I'm Avengers. in it now, man. I'm in it no. now. What's How it? we going You what's can't like pull me. I it's
2: can't like put his the genie back in the bottle. I'm gonna put the genie back in the bottle. No, I can't make it happen, man. This is one of my favorite books of all time, featuring my favorite artists of all time. And you want me to just sit on it?
0: Okay. It can't
1: be done. You know what's you know what's neat about this program, you guys? I can just mute them.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah, he's screaming and hooting and hollering hey we can't even hear him ah!
3: do you guys want to talk about the elephant in the room other than hey. passion is that me? <laughs> <laughs> um, Diamond Distribution has announced a payment plan to publishers to start paying them only 25% a week for the next for the foreseeable future meaning that they're not even paying Marvel, DC, Dark Horse for the books that they've shipped to them already because they're such in dire straits. Uh, yeah. Which, like, if you're worried about the shop, it's like, even the <laughs> distributor is... The distributor might be going down. ...capped up right now. Yeah. Um, and, and then, like, to, to kind of try and mitigate things, like, uh, um, or to mitigate more damage, Diamond is coming up with, like, other things, as in, like... Uh, they're willing to send books directly to retailers homes if they can 't get to their store. Um, they are uh, they're doing something else too but it's, it's well it's,
1: with regard to that virgin, um, right? I saw um, I heard that I guess UPS in some places is no longer delivering to businesses, so that 's why Diamond was like, "Hey, if you guys want your books, you can just have them shipped to your homes if you 're doing mail outs from your home and stuff like that so that 's an option for uh, retailers as well.
2: I did, um, talk to a couple of business friends of mine and they had told me how they both had to go to the post office recently and it was only then that they just discovered that mail wasn't being sent to their businesses, you know, cause they went there to pick up something that they had got a notice of like, you know, like something they ordered yeah. and like, and they just happened to notice like, Hey, it, had, it hadn't been delivered yet. Um, and they went there and they said, oh, we've got all this stuff for your business as well. They had like three weeks of, of mail sitting there waiting for them. Wow. wow.
0: Yeah. You'd think a notification would go out, but I guess how?
2: According to the uh, the Postal Postal Service, um, they said that they are just holding on to the mail, just waiting for the people to contact them. And yeah. when they contact them, come and pick it up. They'll mm-hmm. come pick it, pick it up. I guess it probably maybe it's a, right now they're probably understaffed as well. So to have to get out, you know, notices on all that type of stuff, that's a that's a big labor crunch as well.
0: Right. Yeah. Well and the notices themselves would probably usually be delivered. Right. right? If
2: exactly. Not yeah. Being
0: delivered, then like what other structure do they have set up to mm-hmm. send out notices? Maybe email if you have an account with the post office, but mm-hmm. I don't know how businesses work if they all do or not, you know.
3: I think it's just a presumption of the the post office. Like yeah. if businesses are shut down unless you let them know that you're still operating or and or receiving packages, then that's that. Like I know JD, you still do receive packages, but you the the delivery guy knows that you are able to get there at one o'clock to take it. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably just a presumption because mail is still functioning. Mail is still going, yeah. you know. Yeah that's true. Right. Post office yeah.
2: is still open.
1: Now, there was another uh, element to this diamond uh, distribution thing is Comics Hub had a plan. Uh, Noel, do you know what that plan was?
3: Oh, uh, yeah, um, I know like the broad strokes of it. Uh, mm-hmm. So Comics Hub was a is a they're an online tool like a uh, like a, a point of sales tool that they were trying to get or that, that exists already. It's like a, if you're a local comic shop or a small shop that doesn't even have a website, you're able to buy this out of the box tool. And what they'll do is they'll put your inventory online for a small fee, and then you could sell online. It's literally just like for small businesses to be able to have an online presence. They were in the process of potentially converting their model to being, we're going to let your shop sell the digital version of the, of the book now. And then four months from now, or two months from now, or whenever, when the print comes out, your users or your, your, your shop goers can take the print copy that they already purchased. So a way to put money in hands now uh, for goods later, but still being able to read the weekly books. That was poo-pooed uh, in a very large way by retailers in a bunch of retailer groups. They pooped on it hard. Hard. Yeah. It was like a, of an internal survey. It was of like 130 people, like 115 of them were just vehemently. no, And like five were just like, oh, I could see it.
0: I'll tell Uh, you, when I first heard about the plan, I was like, oh, what an awesome idea. Somebody, you know, trying to do good and that this would work out really well. And then when I heard the earlier today uh, from you guys, when I heard the objections to it, that makes a lot of sense too. Uh, Yeah,
3: well, do do you paraphrase the objections?
0: So um, the, the one that stood out the most was migration away from print media you know, if people start reading digital, that they're concerned, you know, that the trend will change. And I mean, that kind of thing happens in the world, but also I totally understand not wanting to, uh, why invite it to happen. You're right. Exactly. And I myself switched over to digital for a while and there's some things that I like digital for, but I've gone back to print. And so, you know, if, if, even if people would ultimately prefer print, they may switch over to digital and not come back or maybe some of them would, but statistically too many of them wouldn't in order for the model of the comic store to continue. And the model of the comic store is fun. I mean, it's a big part of the experience.
3: Hmm. I think that's, what's getting lost in all this, right? The, 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 the community aspect of it. That's hmm. the reason why we're all talking at each other's little boxed faces as opposed yeah. to just right. recording like normal. Well, but yeah. um, Go ahead.
0: If I could say, uh, you know, a, a story from my own childhood, my family used to have a wholesale news industry. And um, so we got some comics in, like the ones that would go into Seven Eleven and that kind of thing. Um, and I could have gotten them for free, right? And some I did, not for free. My dad would have just given them to me. You know how it goes. But, um, uh, you know, so I could have gotten those, but I would still go into the comic store and buy them. And my dad was like, Brian, what are you doing? Like, why are you spending your money on these comics, I could just get you Superman issue 48 or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm like, yeah, but I like going in there. You know, like I like talking to the guys. And um, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. It's the in-person community of it that even now, with communication so much more able uh, possible than it was then, still great, you know, to go mm-hmm. in and hang out with uh, people who like the same things and want to talk about stuff that you want to talk about.
1: Yeah. Now, Len, you were talking earlier. You've been Prophetizing for quite a while about um moving to uh trade paperbacks instead mm-hmm. of the weekly issues, yes?
2: Yes, yes, I have been for a long time. Now, I'm the I you know, I for di for spoiler alert, I do read digital comics. Um but in but to be fair. If it weren't for spoiler alert, I would never read a digital comic. I, mm-hmm. I enjoy the physical presence of, you know, enjoyment yeah. of having a comic book. Um, yeah. I, but mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. the the model to me, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> um, that's in my entire basement right now, waiting for bookshelves so I can put them up, stack them up. Um, but the the model of floppies, the weekly model, which has sustained the comic book business forever, I I know. And it is what has created the community of the comic book reader and the comic book lover that we all enjoy, that, you know, enjoys going into the comic book store on New Comic Wednesday and, and collecting your comic books and everything like that. I understand that. I appreciate that. But I feel that if the the industry, it would have to be a slow migration. But if the industry migrated over to trades in such a way that still on every Wednesday you had a very large number of new trades coming out in into the comic book stores, that that community would appreciate that change over. I still agree myself that floppies should still exist, but I think that floppies should now be the entry point for kids, for children, and for teenagers into the comic book medium, meaning that floppies should be written for young ages and and for teens only I mean exactly teens, not this you know teens that is really like PG thirteen or like you know teens sneaking into an R movie comic book. I and mean no like. Year olds either they're out. Exactly. Well, I'm just I'm just being real. I think if if floppies are, are geared to them and then the trades yeah. can be geared to all audiences, meaning that you can have youth trades, you can have teen trades, you can have a but the adults definitely have the trades. I think that in time the the um the audience that is used to buying them every week will still migrate to these comic book shops on a weekly basis to pick up their trade. They'll pick up their Batman trade. They'll, no, they'll pick up more than one trade. Because
1: no, I'm raising my hand to say I want to speak when you're done.
2: Okay. Go ahead. Well then speak. I want to hear you. Because you're the retailer.
1: Well, I want I want to know why. Why Why do I feel like why, this is – Why make this change? What's the point of it? I mean you, you, the trade paperback reader, are still mm-hmm. getting your trade paperbacks. Why are right. we cutting out all of the people who love specifically getting the weekly issues and just moving it over the trade paperbacks? You've got people who wait for the trade, wait for traders. That's their whole thing. Right. But you also still have the issues for everybody who wants the issues. What is the point of moving everything into trade paperbacks? Because what, what does I that think
2: because i think that benefit in my viewpoint and you can speak um differently if you if you believe so i think that benefit is to um to the retailer who is sitting there with walls and walls of of back issues that are time stamped they 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 have a freshness date to them and that yes you do have people that will come in and will you know every once in a while rifle through them and need issues two, three, and four. But if you are picking up issue five and you need issues two, three, and four, you're more than likely just to wait for the trade. You know what I mean? So,
1: All right. So um, what is to keep my shop from after we make this change to Mm -hmm. having boxes and boxes of trade paperbacks that are still sitting back there that no one wants?
2: Because if you, because if you are, collecting trades you can still have you can still have subscribers to your trades right you can still be doing the same thing like hey do you want to order that trade and then i'll I'll, you want to pay for it now you want to pay put half down on it or whatever you can still have like eight subscribers to the batman trade you buy two batman trades additionally to from your eight subscribers and then those eight get bought and those two live on a shelf which have a longer shelf life than those individual issues so i i would imagine that not only will they have a longer shelf life but they will also be much easier to sell even at a discounted price later on if need be as opposed to all of these back floppy issues that you will eventually have to either give away or and a severe loss to um Based on what you had to pay for.
3: Okay. Oh. No. Um, I think I think this conversation is is mixing up the difference between format and arts or and, and and uh art form. The the idea of single issues is an art form, just like serialized storytelling. And the format in which you decide to or prefer to read that is one thing, but if it's only graphic novels then the idea of the sequential story the the serialized story in specific chapters that have beginning middles and ends is no longer like it the issue is a very specific art form removing the format of the issue removes the f- the art form it's just going to all be graphic novels like a graphic not like a trade paperback is a collection of these specific serialized stories not a graphic novel, they're, they're two totally different things, they're two totally different types of stories. So the people that do love soap operas, wrestling, these ideas of, of, of serialized storytelling in a, in, a, in a very like immediate kind of way are the ones that read the weekly issues, are the ones that go for those floppies. And then eventually maybe they will buy the collection because they want to relive the experience of ingesting that story but in pieces. Just Waiting for the Trade is still ingesting that story in pieces switching the model completely, getting rid of those serialized stories is going to change the way the stories are told. And that's just that. Not necessarily. Yeah, We see it now. The fact that people are, will write for the graphic novel, but it gets chunked up into issues and it's not that, man's the right great. For that story. Like I, I know that people break the rules all the time and it makes it difficult to kind of understand or, or to, to remember the difference between the two formats, but mm. there is and getting rid of one over the other is going to change the way that we adjust the stories okay. that they're, 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 they're made, I think. I,
2: I don't think that it necessarily has to change. I think that if you're a person that is like, it's is just like if you are um, writing a book and if you're, if you write your book so that you're writing it in chapters and a comic book story now, more often than not, that um one that is r- not written necessarily for the trade, even though they all know they're going in trade. Yeah. But if they're not writing it for the trade, I, I put air quotes that you, know, you can see now, ladies and gentlemen, but you maybe can't hear. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> there you go, I'll kiss, <laughs> air quotes. Uh, <laughs> um, th- each issue is still a chapter. So if you still want to write that way, you can still write in chapters or issues. You know, and still put it together. I don't think that most of them will. I think most of them will just now just write out their full-blown story um, and we, not have to worry about having to come up with some kind of like faux ending at the ish, end of issue issue one to lead you into issue two. That's but, art. Okay, but okay, okay. So then the, then w- what art does not grow. So if that art gr- if it grows into something into something different, it's fine. And if you still like writing in that chapter, chapter way, then you can still do your Batman um, White Knight, which is for a mature audience, and you can still do Batman Ad- Adventures or Batman Universe, which is for a younger audience. Form
3: follows function. The idea that we have these serialized stories in specific standalone chapters is a completely different type of story structure. So... Allowing the issues does that now, when you say write for the trade, there's two like I, I I kind of think of it as two different things, like writing for the trade in the um early 2000s sense is specifically having five to six issues of an arc right there were still single issues and single chapters though right when you say it now, writing for the trade is arbitrarily ending the issue somewhere because you need to have six out of this. Out of the story. story, right? Yeah. So I like I do agree that like you know in early 2000, I think it was it almost, it always makes me think of um Bendis's run and ultimate uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Like for some reason that was more popular in trades than it was in issues. Right. And then you started seeing the pattern of all the ones or the two the two issue story arcs or the three issue story arcs just disappeared and everything was five to six or six to eight. And That's it. But. Those were still comics. Those were still single issue stories that just kind of kept uh, cliffhanging off of each other like the the art form does. If we get rid of the form or we get rid of the function of that distribution, the art will change. And if we're cool with that, that's fine. But I, I don't think it's a one for one saying remove the single issues and everything will be fine. It's it's going to change, period. So as long as we're comfortable with that, that's that. That's not even taking into account the fact, too, that if we get rid of weekly issues, the small lo- the local business is going to have to compete with literally every single bookseller. Like right now, they have a small corner of the market with issues. That is something that is special to them. But you get rid of that, Barnes & Noble versus Amalgam Comics.
0: The community gonna- will still carry it through. And Barnes and & Noble is not doing so well itself these days as it used to. Well, it's
1: not Barnes & Noble so much as it is probably Amazon.
3: Yeah, sorry. It's yeah, a that's a better analogy, point. I guess.
0: Yeah. But I would I, mean, I would say that, um, so this happened previously, right? Like uh, books used to be serialized and they would come out on newsstands, I believe, in, in magazines. And a lot of like older science fiction books, Childhood's End was came out as as stories. And you can see where it switches from being serialized to the part of the novel he wrote afterwards. But the mm-hmm. beginning part, you know, the part that was serialized just reads like a regular, a regular kind of thing, right? Um, I think that ch- chapters can still exist if you want to write that way. The art form would change. That will happen regardless. The art yeah. form will always change. You know, and the that which is kind of the other point that not saying whether it's good or not is it happening anyway you know i mean people have been writing for collected editions like you said since the 2000s that's been happening and also i mean hasn't that been happening even with tv you know tv has gone since the 90s in less episodic and more more overarching story with a season And that is when it became more interesting than movies, right? And now we binge entire seasons of TV and movies have started doing shared universes with ongoing. You know, so it's like you have a story unit and then it becomes interesting to build upon it. I just think it's the mechanic-
3: Bottle Bottle episodes are gone now though. What's happened? the idea of bottle episodes are gone now though, because there there's like with television explicitly, you know, the idea of it has to have a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a full arc for the whole 22 episodes, you no longer have the procedurals or the, or the, the single episodes that kind of like sure. work out themselves in their own thing. So like the, the art follows function. If, if the function is now just bingeable content and, and, and overarching, then you get sure. rid of specific types of art forms. Like the only thing that does procedural now is fucking what, uh, Law and order. Well, first of first of all, first
2: of all, a bottle episode on television. Actually, what that actually pertained to was uh, an episode that more or less um, happened in one location, as so that it was a lower budget. So that was the whole idea of a bottle bottle episode. Usually, a lot. Star Trek was famous for throwing in a couple of bottle episodes, especially one right before the series finale where Mm. they blew the whole the whole rest of the budget on. Um, So that's what the whole idea of a bottle episode serial serialized television definitely has taken over TV. Kind of like to me, as far as I even though it did happen, it's always been the thing with soap operas and stuff like that. but I think it really hit big with um, Star Trek Deep Space Nine somewhere yeah. around like his third or fourth season. But it it also has been a bit of a curse to television as well, because when your show doesn't is not successful, then people are like, yo, yo, where's the end of the story? You know what I mean? So there's a, a, a bit of um, there's always that fight against you know serial how serialized do you do it do you do maybe a whole season or maybe you do just a couple of episodes during a season as opposed to doing something like cbs television which is the home of the procedurals which almost every every night has one or two procedurals on and a procedural now it's, it's just become like, you know, this buzzword for a show that is basically has that one format is doing that one story. At all time, at time. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. They can all be standalones. Um, and it, Law oh. and Order was the king yeah. of that.
3: You know, do you, do you guys want to hear about like a small, small segue? Do you want to hear about what Todd McFarlane would do if he was in charge? What would sure. Todd McFarlane do?
1: Let's keep it brief so we can get on to the actual book. It's four in 40 minutes now.
2: But this is forty minutes Um, of goodness, JD. Despite that look on your face that people can see now, because they usually couldn't see (laughs) you looking at us in in disgust when we were alive. But now they can see. That's the face that JD gives to me, Noel, and B when we go on and on. And B and JD is like, we've got books to review. We've got books to review. We've got Um, books to review. Also, also, uh, actually, what uh, this uh,
1: face is is my iTunes won't stop starting up and playing things willy nilly <laughs> um i am here clicking quit on itunes and it immediately just comes back up and starts playing something in my headphones i don't know what it is and i don't know how to disable it and it's frustrating the heck out of me so you when guys w- continue while i throw my computer out the window but go ahead
3: <laughs> sorry um so anyway uh mcfarlane did a an interview with forbes and they talked he talked about what he would try and implement to get through uh, this crazy time. Um, some of the stuff that he said, like quick highlights was, first of all, he thinks that the industry needs to have a consistent message. Mm-hmm. Whatever that message is, right or wrong, we need to be consistent, even if we have to adjust it. Um, but we need to really need to speak with one voice, not four or five different publishers running four or five different programs and methodologies. Mm-hmm. It just ends up being confusing for retailers and customers. If they put me in charge and no one wants that, I understand, here's what I'd do. I'd take Image, Dark Horse, Marvel, and DC, the top 90% of the market, and make a message from the four of us as a unified front, one message. Uh, he then argues uh, for me. Yeah. Let's pause there. Message regarding what?
0: Yeah, what kind
1: of
2: message?
3: What they are going to do.
2: So, 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 so whatever getting, they're going to do, those four can, are the, the uh, voices of it.
3: Yeah, so like we've been getting piecemeal information like, Oni would say this and then dark horse would say this. And then Oh, are we talking Warwick about with
1: regard to like what, what's happening right now with COVID?
0: Yeah. Yes. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought
1: you meant like,
0: yeah. Like in, in general,
1: stuff. I got you. Great. So yeah. yeah, the, the publishing, um, tactics that they're going to be taking all need to be the same. I got you. perfect. Yeah.
3: yeah they, need to, they need to line up like egos go away. They need to line up and just make a choice because right now it's, everyone's waiting for the other person to react. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, At the very least, major publishers can offer 10 new popular titles with the most demand for free as digital downloads. Now, this is the controversial part. He says, we can afford it. It doesn't necessarily help the retailers, but we can't allow customers to lose that exercise of being geeks, of getting their regular dose to keep their geekiness going with comics instead of moving on to something else like streaming video or gaming, because they will. We need to engage people in comics. And if we're not doing new comics, I don't know how we keep them interested. He was very adamant about free too, not a token number like 99 cents. Right. Mm. So like, if, if Marvel had decided like, you know what, we've got this empire thing coming up, main title is free to keep people interesting on a weekly basis, you know?
0: Right. Very limited, could, you know, like like a free comic book day idea expanded, mm-hmm. but still very limited. Oh, excuse me.
3: Yeah, and, th- and then he yeah, got, that- go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Just in the same way that a lot of other companies during this during this um, outbreak uh, are giving away things for free uh, in order to help, you know, people um, sort of connect with each other. Uh, For instance, you know, I think one of the Zoom, you got a 40 minute limit, but um, because of everything that's happening, they're like, here's a present. No 40 minute limit. You guys talk as long as you want. You don't have to that sort of thing.
3: Yeah, I think uh, HBO is giving away, like, 500 hours of television for free, whether you're a subscriber or not. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Stuff like that. So, and, and, like, he he goes on to, like, he doesn't really come up with his solutions for how we handle the retailers, but to keep people involved in comics because he's right. Audiences are fickle as hell. Like, you, you take away something from them and they realize how much they don't necessarily need it. That's true. Um, uh, when Then, once distributors resume, McFarling suggests the major publishers can do three to five events to give readers a reason to come back. Quote, maybe we can coordinate the timing for once so each company gets a turn in the spotlight. Maybe do some cross-company stuff, make it sexy. Hmm? So doing nothing can't be the answer. If we stand still and hold our breath, how does that improve what we're doing now? Right. If I put Spawn out digitally for free or at a discount for a few months, does that mean customers won't buy the the issues at retail? He asks rhetorically. Maybe not. But I say to the stores, don't worry about getting issues 307, 308, 309 that come out when you're closed and can't get printed copies anyway. Fans will come back for 310 when things reopen. They'll come back for Batman or whatever they're reading. Who cares about what number it is? It's a comic that you're selling at the same price. Who cares if people get it at a different way in the meantime? He's making the case that the addict or the addiction is more important, or the addiction is more important to foster than the specific format of it, which is not unlike what you were kind of saying, Len. Hmm. I think Weird. it makes. I mean,
2: he. I like that he admits that this is not, you know. Going to go well for retailers. He's thinking about the fans first with the with his whole idea, you know. And he's he's and he's being upfront about that. Um, I don't I don't think it's necessarily a a bad idea. I mean, I controversial, sure, but anything is controversial when you're dealing with the comic books industry because they, you know, more often don't think with one voice, you know. But uh, I like it. I like his idea.
3: He and he <laughs> does he does mention too, like the he feels that the retailers will still get those people back that it's more important for people to keep audiences engaged. Like maybe we're out for four months and spawns going to be digital for three months. But you know, when that fifth issue comes back and the stores are open, they're going to come and get those issues. And then your hardcore retailers are, or your hardcore customers are going to get the back issues too, because Mm -hmm. they don't want a gap. Right. See,
0: this
2: this will celebrate to me, this will celebrate As far as on the retailer side, this whole situation, right, this whole situation will celebrate the retailer who is selling comic books because they like comics and they know people like comics and people are coming in and buying their comics from the retailers who love comics, love the comics community and love fostering, you know, you know, uh, and and, and uh, showing appreciation to that community, right? Like there are, we're in Philadelphia. There are a number of comic book shops here in the city of Philadelphia. There's tons of them. And some of them have their loyal customer bases, right? But there are, and I'm just going to put it out there without naming names, few and far between whom when I go there, I feel that they do a great job of, of showing just appreciation to their fan base, to this comic book community and to the industry at large. And this challenge of not being able to get your comics and people, you know, therefore finding other ways to get their geek on will separate the good ones from the bad, because I think the, the, the good ones, their, their audience will still come back. Will there be some... Will you lose some? Maybe, depending on how long this whole thing goes. But I think, for the most part, they will all come... A lot of them yeah. will come back.
3: I think on a more, on a more like, um, uh, personal level, too, like, when when this all... When the dust fades, I'm not going to stop being an issues reader. But I might pare down my list and start adding a couple of trades. Like, as the, the immediacy of certain stories is different. However, I still... I still personally find the value and the excitement of the weeklies. Same, yeah, and and honestly, too, uh, I'll I'll be completely honest. The uh, this slight downtime has allowed me to start sorting some single issues, and I've been selling runs online. Like I'd rather have this in a collection. Do I think that I shouldn't have gotten it in issues? No, I fucking loved the issues. But when I go back to reread it, I'd rather have a trade. So I like. I'll sell that and then maybe someday down the line when I want to read it again, I will order it through JD. Stuff my like that. Like,
0: my stepdad did that with the early issues of Fantastic Four and I think X-Men. And then he was like, oh, what do I need these issues for? I got the trick. Ah, I know, right? Yeah. Ah. I mean,
3: I read, <laughs> I read Batman White Knight and sold the issues for 60 bucks. Because people wanted the issues that bad. And I'm like, I'd rather have the trade if I'm going to reread this. It's fine. It's
0: unlikely to be as landmark as X-Men number Exactly. <laughs> but You doesn't... hush your
2: mouth, Brian. Batman White Knight was all that.
0: That's Randy really says, good.
1: Randy chimed in and he says, amen, gents.
0: Sweet.
3: Hey, Randy. How come you don't like my shirt? Because it's not his logo. I know. I mean, cool, the color man. scheme is fine. Oh,
0: I didn't <laughs> know if there was a microphone in that R. That's yeah. cool. Yeah.
3: That's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's a nice logo. Yeah, it's tight. The, yeah, the guy who <laughs> did that
0: logo that? is is dope.
2: Oh, it was me.
1: Ah, <laughs> JLA Avengers by uh, Kurt Busaic and art by George Perez, 20 years in the making. The most highly anticipated crossover event in comics history has finally arrived. <laughs> The most powerful characters in two universes collide as DC's premier superheroes meet marvels. Superman, Batman, and the other members of the JLA join forces with Captain America, Iron Man, and the many other Avengers to fight a threat so immense it threatens two entire dimensions. So, Noel was uh, very kind and wrote up a brief history, and I will read it to you now. First issue premiered in September of 2003 and the final issue in March 2004 after a three-month delay between issues three and four. Originally conceived in 1979 by Jerry Conway with art by George Perez, plot at the time had to do with Kang and time travel. Roy Thomas was to script based on Conway's story, canceled in 1983 even though Perez had 21 pages already penciled due to editorial disputes. ...reportedly instigated by Jim Shooter. This cancellation also caused the cancellation of a planned sequel... ...The Uncanny X-Men and the New Teen Titans. uh, Which already existed. Uncanny X-Men and Teen Titans had a crossover event. It was one issue. um, And they had planned a sequel. But because of all of this hubbub, um, that got cancelled, sadly... Uh, an agreement was reached in 2002 that writers Kurt Busaic and Mark Wade, both writing Avengers and JLA respectively at the time, with alternating issues being in each team's book. The publishers could not come to an agreement, and by the time they did, Wade was no longer available. Perez was also under an exclusive contract with CrossGen, not GrossGen as he typed, CrossGen, but yeah, had what? a specific clause in his contract for this book. Uh, it was originally as, released as four Prestige's Issues. In 2004, it was reprinted as a two-volume, oversized collected edition with the original Perez Pages from 1983. In 2008, it was reprinted as a trade paperback. It has been out of prints ever since. Um, and JT, what a shame. Is JT, that crazy? That, yes? You have my collected edition there with you, right? I do. Yeah. I took, okay, step one. I take off the.
2: Um, I'm about to say that's not how covers. I gave it to you.
1: <laughs> I take I take off the dust covers because I'm afraid of damaging them. They're so they're always so um, delicate that I take the dust covers off and I, I'll read the the book uh, without the dust covers. You know. So yes, I, I do have. Len was nice enough. Uh, what, 38 years ago to lend me this. <laughs> yes, it's before lovely, it came out. <laughs> it's a lovely box set with a slipcase cover. Look at that.
3: Yeah, it's essentially an absolute. They're just not allowed to say absolute but because it's not exclusively DC, right? Right, exactly.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it's got two books. It's got the main uh, JLA Avengers crossover event, all four issues, and then it has a separate hardcover, which is um, some behind-the-scenes stuff, some interviews, and all 21 pages that George Perez had previously drawn, which got scrapped.
2: Now, that behind-the-scenes stuff, because we're going to be talking about the book uh, in general, ladies and gentlemen, but that behind-the-scenes stuff is crucial because not only does it spell out the the mind-bending story behind the scenes that went – um, in the creation or of the, the first book that never happened, it also reprints the dueling editorials that DC and Marvel published in all of their comic books of the day where the editors-in-chief, uh, who I believe were Jim Shooter and Carmen Infantino, give their dueling dueling points of view of exactly why this did not happen.
3: Yeah, it was Uh, a Dick Dick Giordano, isn't it? Oh, yes, Dick Giordano. You're right. You're right. It was just egos, egoing egos of the ego in the the room. Yeah. It was. It uh, it was a fun read.
1: Can you paraphrase uh, each each of their um, versions? Do you remember? Because I haven't gotten around to reading that part yet. I was up till 3 a.m. finishing (laughs) just the main book. Because I got to tell you, man, take a look at this look how thin this book is. When you handed me this, I was like, this is a tiny little baby book. I could read this like that. It's going to be so quick. Uh, it took me quite a while to get through. Yes. Yes. Uh, I was, I was like drowsily flipping pages at 4am <laughs> being like, is this, is this over? Um, Yeah. Yes it is. Um, not that I wasn't enjoying it, but at the end there I was like, all right guys, come on. Goodness.
2: Yeah, if if I remember correctly, like uh like no hint of that Jerry Conway and um George Perez were assigned to do this book because this was going to be um you know like the big book um and at that time George Perez and Jerry Conway were the writer and artist on the JLA um George Perez having just come over to DC. Um and they went and kind of like blocked out a script. And the whole idea was that it was supposed to go over to Jim Shooter. He was supposed to give his okay on, on stuff, and then they would keep, keep it moving. Well, Perez, excited to get started, said, well, I'm sure this is pretty much just gonna be like, you know, he's just gonna make a couple of changes. I'm gonna get started drawing. Cause you know, George Perez, like, yo, I wanna draw this, this was my dream book. This is George Perez. This was literally his dream book to do. Um. So, but Jim Shooter not only takes a long time getting back to them with any of his corrections, but then he has a host of corrections that he that he once made. And then him and Dick Giordano basically go back and forth um, because Jim is like, well, ain't nobody tell George to start drawing. This, this shit ain't right. And Dick is like yeah, but like, how right is it? I mean, we can kind of fix kind of some of this stuff in a room. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's JLA Avengers. We're okay. not talking about catcher in the ride. Let's, yeah. let's just just get this book done. And Jim is like, uh, fuck you. I want this book to look a certain way. Some of his points are right because Perez, having been away from Avengers a little bit, was drawing some of the characters in the wrong um, mm-hmm. costumes. He didn't have like what was supposed to be present day Avengers? He didn't have all of the, Dude. the exact present day Avengers at that day. You know, supposed to be in the room, even though the whole idea was that anybody who was ever Avengers was supposed to be there. Um, so he he he, he was definitely, I think Jim Shooter, who has not been known, who, who's never lost an opportunity to um mark his territory as it were, <laughs> uh, was definitely marking his territory on. On this project, when at least in Dick Giordano's viewpoint, especially in the midst of this, when X Men and Teen Titans come come along and Marvel is handling the production of that, Dick Giordano had a couple of notes and basically said, "Okay, I trust y'all. Y'all been doing comic books for fifty years too. Take it away and make it run. Just don't let my characters sound like jerks, and we'll be all right." Mm-hmm. um But. Jim wasn't having it the same way, uh, and after them fighting it out in the individual comics, after them fighting it out in interviews in the trade comic book, um, the trade magazines of the time, and Perez kind of like, like after one point Perez was like, you know what, screw you guys, fuck you. I'm. I'm not doing anything else, and I'm not. I'm not going to do it. And they're like, "Well, we can't do it, uh, George." Um, and jo- and George Perez did this big interview where he took a massive poop on Jim Shooter. Yeah. Um, they basically said, "Nah, this is is it's not going to happen," and that got canceled. The sequel to JLA, I mean, uh, X Men team Titans got canceled, and that was the end of any crossover between them for. Like, I mean, like almost ever, you know,
0: there was was the DC versus Marvel, which had some build up to it. I remember there was a Green Lantern, Silver Surfer and a Superman Fantastic Yeah, Yeah.
2: For a long time. Yeah.
0: Uh, And then the amalgam stuff was after. And then.
2: Well, the amalgam stuff came in the midst of the DC versus JLA, because that was a special event, I think, after like the second book or something like that. Um. Yeah. All that took place, like I think, like in the '90s. Yeah. yeah where yeah. all that happened, it's not until the '90s, yeah. mind you. This is this is the early '80s. It's not until easily the mid to late '90s that yeah. you actually even have them speaking on on um, terms well enough to make these things happen. I think a lot of that, if I remember the timeline correctly, was when Joe Casada took over in Marvel. Yeah. Because it he was, had an impetus in getting all of that going. It was people. Yeah. leaving.
3: it was. It was publishers leaving or uh, editors leaving. The old
2: school leaving. Yeah, yeah. it's
3: it and, was, and it's it's funny too. Like you'll see a bunch of things. Could like big things happen in comics as soon as editors go away? So like Paul Levitt was the gatekeeper for all things Watchmen. Refused to let anyone do anything with it as soon as he left. Before Watchmen, ah, uh, huh. huh. like yep, that's there. right. That's yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah. Did
2: not know that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because Paul Levitz was trying to, as much as he can, be respectful to um Alan the deal that he made with Alan Moore yeah, yeah, right. in regards wow. to that, that character.
0: Right. But then, similar to how like we started getting a Flash Superman race when fans started becoming writers, you know, like once the people stopping it, then all the people that are like, "But I want to see this shit happen," mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. they're they're running the show.
1: That's so neat. Yeah. Uh, so let's start with issue number one. We're going to go issue by issue because there's only four of them, but boy, are they doozies. Um, Len, why don't you set the scene, buddy?
2: Okay. All right. All right. Uh, the scene is set when Krona, who was uh, this real... He, he's hes a guy who wants to d- discover the, the, the beginning of the world. That's his whole mission. How did this all start? So he... Goes on this this bent. He the book opens. He's killing multiverses. He's destroying multiverses, all in his quest to to, to determine how did this whole universe start. Now I don't he's know. A,
3: he's how a Green he, Lantern villain, right? He I think he
2: is from the the world of Green Lantern is, originally. Yeah. He's
0: Owen. He's a guardian before they were guardians. He's an Owen or a Malthusian who um, broke there. Yeah. was a time viewer to look past the beginning of time and he the hand. The hand, and then he tried to look past the hand, which was forbidden. And in doing so, he, uh, he like shattered everything and he joined the end of the universe to the beginning, removing billions of years. And that's why they feel responsible to like, you know, start the Manhunters and then the Green Lantern Corps ah. that they introduced evil into this universe. That was in gantt's yeah. tale. I'm not sure if that was around before that the hand I think was, and Chrono like, earlier was, that was yeah, the cool hand was. Thing. Yeah.
3: And then, like, I think John, John's uh, p- post Blackest Night, Jeff Johns did a whole bunch of stuff with Krona in the beginning of the universe. And the mm, that. that's yeah. the only reason why I really even know about it. Well, oh, Krona, okay. I mean,
2: my first introduction to Krona was actually in Crisis, the original Crisis on Infinite Earths, because he's kind of introduced there a little bit the whole idea of him. Him wanting to see, like you know, the creation of 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 the universe. So anyway, the book starts and he's he's destroying universes through something that
1: he calls the coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs)
2: I'm gonna go. (laughs) Please. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah. So he's he's destroying all these universes, and Mm. then and you y'all correct me if I'm wrong. Somehow he. Looks upon the Marvel Universe and comes across the grand, the Grand Master.
0: Yeah, it's right. Um, yeah, it's as far as we know right now. It's somehow. I think that is elaborated upon uh, later, later on. Later. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Grand Master, who is <laughs> the only way I could describe the Grand Master, he always came across to me as a cross between the Collector. And this world's greatest chess player, because yeah. he always had like a collection of stuff, yeah. and but he was always about a game. You know yeah. what I mean? I think always. Th- I always thought they called him Grandmaster because they couldn't call him Game Master. Or now is that
1: Master. is that the is that the guy who's played in um, Thor Ragnarok?
2: Yes, Goldblum by, by Jeff Goldblum. Yes yeah. by Jeff Goldblum. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. Because that's
1: <laughs> all I kept seeing. Anytime he was there, I would just see <laughs> Jeff Goldblum.
2: <Yeah. laughs> yes, which makes everything better. True, true. And and it would have made this book better. Um but um yeah, so the Grand Master who, you know, he's about to destroy the Marvel universe because um well, no, I think somehow Krona lucks upon knowing about Galactus. So mm-hmm. and, and Galactus can maybe like fill in the blanks of, you know, how the universe started. Um, but the Grandmaster doesn't want to tell them all this stuff and they basically work out this scheme where Grandmaster is gonna like says, All right, I'll play this game with you. You know what I mean? Um for the for the savior sake of my universe versus I think your universe or some other universe. Mm-hmm. I don't fucking remember um but basically you know the, the grandmaster says we'll take the heroes from my universe the heroes from your universe and whichever one come out on top the other universe gotta go yeah and, but the Krona says okay however let's switch i want your team and you take my team which means grandmaster has to take the justice league and Krona gets mm-hmm. the avengers that's an issue like two, though, right? No, that's an issue
0: one. It, well. I mean, I've, I skipped ahead is... a
2: little bit. I skipped ahead a little bit because... Um, no, because now it then opens up on two... You get two kind of like big battle scenes. One
3: is the JLA taking on this big, I think, Asgardian-type we, yeah, robot I mean, guy. I mean, we don't find out that they're playing for each other's universe until the second issue.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: No, I thought the I thought the switch came in the first it issue. Doesn't matter.
0: It doesn't it doesn't matter. Oh, but the first issue is called Book 1: A Journey into Mystery. And ah. yeah, and they all all four of them are the first two are Marvel, the second two are DC.
2: Right, right. And it's all the, the allusions yeah. to their like their um like horror kind of yeah, like,
0: classics like, anthology or whatever stories um one of them is Brave and the Bold. Did you guys notice also JLA Avengers switches back and forth? It alternates.
1: Yes. Oh no! Is it
2: Avengers JLA?
0: Yeah. yeah. Issues
1: two and
2: uh, I think two and four is Avengers.
1: That's cool. Yeah.
0: Even the the which company is in which corner switches back and forth yeah. with the titles.
1: So, basically, what we have here is we've got the JLA and the Avengers um, being selected, not unlike, what was it, Secret Wars in Marvel, where some some dipshit comes along yeah. and he's like, nah, we're going to play a game and we'll see who wins. And it's basically the easiest setup you could possibly think of when you're trying to get two different teams to fight each other for no good reason. Right, right, right. Um, he's like, ah, but what if you have to get these MacGuffins? Go get them, and then you'll have to fight each other for these MacGuffins. Yo, that's, these that's, are be
0: sweet MacGuffins,
1: though. No, they're great oh, MacGuffins. MacGuffins. Yeah, they're yeah. Ma- great MacGuffins. Yeah, DC um, and
2: universe, DC and Marvel make some great MacGuffins. They got a whole yeah. like they had twenty four of them just sitting yeah.
3: around. Yeah, these are powerful, um, uh, yeah. powerful objects. It's issue. It's issue two. Okay. Yeah. No, Thank no, no. I think to be right. No. no, no.
1: Well, I mean, do we want to separate these? Yeah. yeah That's yeah, what yeah. we're doing. Um, so um, this is some of my favorite stuff, actually, is the beginning where we have um, the team of one Earth having to fight one of the big bads from the other Earth. So mm-hmm. we've got Starro coming across, and the Avengers have to fight Starro oh, for the Star-O. first time. Yeah, um, yeah, And they're like, what the, the fuck? This is a giant starfish dropping little starfish on our faces. This sucks. The design um, of
3: Starro was awesome, too. Oh, I like
1: the. Yeah. I yeah. I don't usually see membrane in between the different yeah. star
2: shapes. You know that sucks onto they their face. In the whole face. And I yeah. love the. I love the perspective of that huge splash page because it's looking up and at an angle. I think it's. I think it's beautiful.
0: I Which mean, is yeah. actually pretty similar to the cover of Brave and the Bold twenty eight that this yes. league premiered in. Mm-hmm. Now, who's this guy that the Justice League are fighting? Though
1: hey, that's it's the thing. The
3: I knew Starro. I didn't know this other guy. Yeah. Well, It's in the comments. Randy actually said it's an Asgardian it. robot. I it's said it was an. As-
2: I told you it was an Asgardian ro- yeah. big re- oh, Asgardian yeah. robot.
3: Terminus.
0: Okay, he says it's the Asgardian robot is actually Terminus. So is it really Asgardian or okay? Or what all are right you talking about the- that.
2: Excuse me, Randy, that i it wasn't an Asgardian robot. It was a big robot. It was an Avengers villain. He's named Terminus. I don't think that is really, like, murdering things. And you ain't got to curse at me, bruh. I'm uh, wearing your shirt. You ain't got to – you know, I'll take your shirt off right now, bruh. I'll take off the advertisement right now, bruh. You ain't got to come at my neck because I said an Asgardian
3: robot, bruh. Just sit back and listen to the show. That's my headcanon now. It's an Asgardian robot forever. Um,
1: He also he also comments, fuck out of here with that mess,
2: Len. That's what he was talking about. That's what I was just referring to, JD. Was that the end? Yes, but the people didn't know that,
0: Len. It's not Len. Get the fuck out of here with that mess about the mess.
3: Yeah. (laughs) I I thought the mess was the overview description. Or was it um, the Asgardian part? Okay. I don't know. Who knows? This
2: wait, is wait. not spent too much time with Randy. Anyway, what happened? So right this
1: first issue I thought was awesome. I, so Le, um, Noel had been um, commenting in our, we have a, like a little spoiler alert chat box. And uh, Noel was commenting about how much trouble he was having getting through it. And uh, he just wasn't enjoying it. So, uh, and also my personal experience is when this came out in 2004, I believe I was working in a comic book store And there was a lot of hubbub about it. There was a lot of um, excitement. And uh, the first issue came out and I was very excited to read it. And uh, I did not care at all. Um, I got through the first issue and I was like, I don't give a crap about this. This means nothing to me. And I just wasn't in the headspace for it. So that plus Noel's already sort of like kind of souring the experience of like, "Eh, this kind of sucks, guys. This is a slog to get through. I was not looking forward to cracking this open. But as soon as I opened it, um, it felt like big, fun, classic comic books. It felt like Crisis on Infinite Earths, which I have a very um, uh, sweet spot for. I love that book, um, even though it's so there's so much going on. What's he doing? What's
0: happening? I'm not so sure.
2: I'm
3: not so sure. So...
1: What's happening, Noel?
3: I think he was giving you a high five. I'm... No. I'm... I was I was giving my fiance an opportunity to walk past.
0: Very good. That's oh, very great. Good.
1: Um, so yeah, I was actually really surprised at how much I was enjoying this. I was in from from Jump Street, and um, I thought this first issue was had had a lot of big crazy moments. It was a lot of fun. A lot of things that I had wanted to see, uh, but that would happen between these two. Um, big teams and a crossover event like this i thought it was handled perfectly what did you think
2: what what are the one of the things you wanted to see jd
1: well i wanted to see um like i said earlier um heroes from one world have to engage with a villain from the other world right i did not Mm. you know uh terminus showing up i didn't give a crap about but (laughs) seeing starro and having the uh, um Avengers have to deal with Starro for the first time. That's when I think the book kicked in the high gear. And I was kind of like, oh, this is a lot of fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I dig mm-hmm. it. I, uh, I was a little worried too uh, when I when I saw Noel's messages. And I was like, because I read and loved this in 2004. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> what if I don't love it anymore? You know, <laughs> when I read it. And uh, that didn't happen at all. I started going and I was like, we're going, we're in it now. <laughs> you know, these, it's like the JLA and the Avengers are meeting up. This is crazy, and and it's not just them, you know, because I'm not the biggest Avengers fan, although I like, you know, a lot of them. Some of the other corners of the Marvel Universe speak to me more, but um, you know, you get, it's DC and Marvel together, and it's just big and grand and awesome. I also really like, which starts in this issue, the commentaries from each about the other's universe, where the Flash mm-hmm. winds up there, and they're chasing this guy, and he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like... Why are you chasing this mutant guy? <laughs> like, he's yeah. fine. He doesn't look like he's done anything to you. And um, and he's like, when he comes back, he's like, Oh my God, that that universe is, <laughs> is messed up. That's brutal. Man. Like yeah. this has happened. And also the whole these things are different. There's no speed force there. So he's mm-hmm. to lose his powers. And then I was like, wait a second. Wouldn't his vibrational energy snap back to the original? And he would just go back, boom, that's what happened. <laughs> so, he wound up back there, but I love that. I love that commentary between the two, and and things like the Watcher showing up in to look at the Justice League. You know, I mean that stuff's awesome.
3: Yeah,
1: and I, I felt similarly because um, they kind of do this in Infinite Crisis. Jeff Johns does this where the the heroes of the past are able to witness the the DC universe of now, mm-hmm. and they're like. Yeah. We we sacrificed everything during Crisis on Infinite Earth for this shit? You, Wonder Woman snapping Max Lo- Maxwell Lord's neck and stuff? Like, what, this sucks. Um, and I, I really like the commentary between the DC heroes who have just gone into the Marvel Universe and were like, oh, we thought we had a bad here. Shit's <laughs> fucked up in the Marvel Universe. And I was like, it's true. And right. it really is. Um, and sort of they really play with that dynamic between you know, the golden gods of the DC universe mm-hmm. sort of branching out to affect their whole universe is sort of a much brighter place than the Marvel universe, which has always been more centered in, um, you know, a little bit more in reality. Len?
2: <laughs> yeah, I said it's the same thing. The the whole commentary on... Um, how from the Avengers point of view about how superheroes are more or less worshiped in this DC universe, or at least put up on pedestals as opposed to being looked at, you know, you know, sometimes cynically in the Marvel universe. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. And I also liked, and it was funny um, referencing Noel's notes again about when he started reading this book, how, and he's reading it and he's like, yo man, look, this book is a hype but like superman is a dick mm-hmm. and i'm like yo keep reading because that's how it, it all of that is seated in mm-hmm. the first issue about superman and even captain america is coming off of you feeling like hey this is the cap i know and yeah there's a little something a little off about it um So and all of that just like bears fruit as you continue reading with the book. But to me, the biggest thing about this book and why I at the time was jazzed about it, because one, having grown up through the 70s and the 80s, I was there for all of the hullabaloo of when. The first book was thought it was going to come out and it was going to be my favorite artist of all time doing jla avengers and i thought this would never happen so i was like oh man wonk won. you know what i mean um and so and then plus not only did i think that it never happened but another aspect of that story that of people we, we didn't even touch on is that sometime over the years when perez you know, more or less thought that this would never happen. He took those original 21 pages. They got sold. They were originally at one time owned by Rob Leefield, So who basically God. had to sell them back so that they could get the, the original role. Right. Exactly. Which which makes you think, oh, this will never happen if this jerk has it, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when it finally says it's gonna happen and they're putting out the promo art for it. And it's you know, it's like uh Captain America with the atom on his sleeve and I'm like,
1: What? Oh my god, is it really gonna happen
2: now? So when I cracked open that book, I was in I was in heaven, man. I think I I don't think I read it. For for a week, because I would just put down the book, open the page and just sit back and just look <laughs> at all this George Perez goodness, because we weren't getting George Perez goodness on a regular basis at this time. At this point, George Perez was more famous for starting and stopping things and not finishing things than anything else, you know? Um, so when he signed on for it, I was like, well, I'm just going to enjoy this as much as it goes. As much as it goes, man. And when I heard that he had signed a deal with CrossGen and they had made it like, yo, we're giving them six months off so he can just do this book. I'm like, yes, let a man work. Let a brother work. And then <laughs> that man worked and I was like, oh my God. I was, I was in fucking heaven, dog. I love everything fucking insane,
1: And you know, this is really good George Perez, man. Yes.
0: Um, yeah. I, yes. This,
1: I think this work is excellent. I, I even like, um, some of the computer coloring is a little aggressive, but mm-hmm. uh, his pencils and inks on this are great. I was actually mentioned before the show started. Um, at first, I was confused because I thought that Jerry Ordway was doing some of it as well, because I saw this Superman and that to me is a Jerry Ordway Superman. Yeah. So I thought yeah. maybe they were working together on it. So I was surprised, um, delightfully so, that this was all George Perez. No, what do you got?
3: Oh, um, well, I mean, you guys gave my opinion w- when this was coming out. I was collecting. I was reading. I had just gotten back into reading comics uh, during college. So this was this was 2003. I had just gotten back into comics. I just finished uh, Green Lantern Rebirth. I just finished, oh. like, I just started reading Astonishing X-Men, like, uh, Identity Crisis, um, uh, what was it? Uh, Superman, Batman, uh, Jeff Loeb's. So, like, I was very much into comics at the time. Uh, so I got super, super fucking excited for this. Because I knew of George Perez, and it was from when I was collecting as a kid and, and the whole nine. I was reading them in issues, and I loved it. This was mm-hmm. awesome. This was fantastic. Mm-hmm. This reread. Was not as fun for me. Okay, I just like I think that it's. I think that the art is gorgeous, but I think that it's poorly constructed. Like it's poorly written. It's so very of a time that it takes me away from enjoying it completely. Like it's it's written as though it's still 1981, even though it was written in 2004.
1: Right or 2000. Think- I think that speaks to why when it first came out, I didn't like it because I didn't really realize that. I didn't remember at the time until you just dropped name dropped all of those books that were currently coming out. Yeah. And so that as a reader, um, just because of my age level at the time, I think starting at like 2000 and moving forward in that little time, that felt very modern to me. Everything that was coming out, like um, Identity Crisis was like modern and it was a little dark and and, um, it felt like a new era in comic books. And to go back to this at that time for me was like a huge step back. And Um, don't get me
3: wrong, I I don't think that it needs to like have murder and mayhem in order to be like modern. It's just the way it's written, like there's, it's the difference from, for me, it's the, the subtle difference between acting for the stage or acting for the screen. Yeah, acting good. for the yeah. stage, you're applying it to a yeah. fucker 30 yards away. So it's got to be big. It's got to be bold. And you have to ex- completely explain exactly what you're thinking in every single second.
0: Whereas yeah, so, acting,
3: uh, you, you allow the actor to do the work or, or to, to fill in the gaps. and It doesn't have to all be expository. So as I was enjoying the art and going through this, and it was just like, stop telling me all this shit i i hear I hear, I hear like, you i didn't like i you could literally cut out seventy percent of the word boxes, and it would be a stronger story for me
2: I hear you I think that's a, a product of the writer kurt Busick yeah who who we know is a very popular artist yeah. I, I mean writer at that time okay. and even still today, and someone who definitely can write with the perspective and the aesthetic of the time, but was um developed his craft and his love of the book from the seventies and the in the eighties. Hmm. Like reading this, like like Kirk Busick, like one of my favorite books that I still one of the few books that I actually still Collect on a regular is his Astro City, oh, yeah. which is a love story to the comic book universes of yesterday and and today, but all written with the with the perspective of the twenty first century, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he felt like the perfect person to to put on this book mm-hmm. because he can he has that twenty first century perspective. But he loves the old school. And it felt like to me when he was writing this, he was like, you know what? I'm just going to put on my old school hat and I'm just going to write this old school story for this, admittedly, even in 2000, even in 2000, old school artist, George Perez. Because even then, George Perez, as hot as he still is, you open up his book, his artwork, as gorgeous as it is, takes you back to a different time. of. Comedy. That happens. That happens with
0: everybody who is successful. You become so successful that you become identified with that time. And then mm. later on, you look old, you know? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I, I have two things to say. One, because of that, because of, of Kurt Busick's apparent, like his, his style, his choice to write it of a specific era made me sad when I read that initially it was going to be him and Mark Wade, Because huh? at the same time, Mark Wade wrote Tower of Babel for, for JLA. Mm-hmm. I like, mean, there's a, there's a, a same, the same there's exact here. time.
0: Which was just one of the best, though. You know, in my opinion, in my opinion, Kurt Busiek is one of the best. I mean, he wrote, he's written some of my favorite single issue stories. Randy will back me up if he's still watching. Uh, Superman Angel was amazing. So when I see Kurt Busiek, I'm like fantastic. That being said, Mark Wade is a super high quality uh, comics history writer, and I think he could have been an excellent presence. I,
3: I think, I think Kurt Busiek needs to be um, leveled out. (laughs) <laughs> just to be leveled out. And, like and, in, in regards to in regards to um george perez be uh, a feeling of an era so while i was reading this i went on to i went to my my bookshelf to find something post this of george perez that that like just to see if it was like maybe my new perception or me as a reader now that recognizes it as xyz and i grabbed final crisis mm, i have that book This is gorgeous.
0: Oh, yeah. The way it's written
3: and the way that it's drawn is just superb. And maybe, like you had mentioned, JD, maybe it's the coloring work. Maybe it's the digital coloring that's like much more mature in this. True. This feels like George Perez, but it doesn't feel old. It doesn't feel dated. Right? I'm sorry. What is that? That's a, a final crisis.
2: Superman, it's a Superman, and Legion of, of three worlds. Right. Thank
1: you. I'm sorry. Legion right. of three worlds. I had totally Ooh. forgotten about that. That was a which. Good story. Which that was which. Really good.
2: All five issues. Yeah. Which I will also say. Mm-hmm that when Perez came over to DC, yes, you JD, I'm talking to you. Uh, when No, Perez, no, that
1: was me signaling to no, I want to borrow that. <laughs> oh, you should.
3: A it's a great book. This is uh, so good. It has th- nothing to do with Final Crisis, which makes it fantastic. I'm in. I love sorry, it. Len, I love that ahead. book. Go ahead. Um, but, but when George
2: Perez came over to DC, his big thing was he wanted to do GLA because that was his dream book, but his other dream book for his, uh, for his lifetime was to do The Legion of Superheroes.
1: Makes sense. So right.
2: when he got a chance to do this book he was like oh bet i get to get my legion on and and again it's classic george perez almost every iteration of the legion is present in this book oh it's so
1: so good
0: it's awesome he doesn't know the legion very well
3: uh well it's Um, i enjoyed this it's just it was it was a struggle to get through because i Really did not enjoy the writing. I enjoyed the plot. I enjoyed the mechanics. I loved the art. Some of the layouts were a little aggressive for me like um they mixed yeah. so a lot of the layouts what what they would do is they you know it was a big old splash page where you're supposed to go from the left of one page all the way to the to the right of the other page, but they still inside that had left to right on in the in the one page in each page. It's still like they were asking you to change the paradigm of which you're reading. In (laughs) panel, which was it it was aggressive, it was like very fluid.
0: That's funny because I was thinking when I was reading it, I was like, wow, this is flowing so well, jumping back and forth between characters and universes. This is really working. You know, I don't know, it worked, it worked for me.
1: And he did, they did a thing, um, with the layouts that I really enjoyed, which is on one side of one page, you would have what's happening with the DC characters, yep. and on the other <laughs> side is an exact mirror per, yeah. Yeah. um, all the layouts in, in within all of the panels. That was happening in Marvel, and I was like, yeah, this is yeah. awesome. That was dope um,
3: because they asked you to do it separately. There's a couple of panels in here where it's yeah. across the board for, for one side, but then the other side, it's so you'd read this or you read this first, or mm-hmm. you're not sure where to go yeah it does ask
1: a little bit of the reader to do a little bit of
3: recon before which i usually don't
1: dive into a page you know i
3: usually don't mind that at all it's just that i was already at that like right overwritten expository like come on
1: yeah i i love i personally love the layouts of this book um it's it's so it's all of the work in here is um exceptional I think um, the layouts and uh, the detail and everything that uh, George Perez puts into this is just masterful. Um, let's go back to the writing though. Uh, Noel, I have been there before. I have gone back and I've revisited Chris Claremont's X-Men stuff mm. and holy cats. It is so difficult for me to get through. I just can't do it. Um, we yeah. we're not, you know, I do a book club every month and many years ago we went and I was like, Oh, we're going to do Avengers forever. Oh, my uh, God. And I was like, oh, I used to love this when it came out in Issues. This is one of my favorite Avengers story. I can't wait to talk about this book. And I got in and I was like, oh, no. Mm-mm. Oh, no. Uh, which I believe
3: was, was an apology.
1: <laughs> yeah. I believe <laughs> that was Kurt Musaic as well, right?
0: Yes,
3: <laughs> it was. Yeah. Oof.
0: Oh, I have not revisited that book. Chris Claremont. Chris Claremont is one that I, so I never got into the X-Men when they were popular. And then I read Chris Claremont stuff later and I was like, oh, this is not my style at all but I also thought he was uh, better. Sorry, I thought you guys were, didn't you say Chris Claremont?
2: He did, but then yeah. he jumped over to
3: Chris the But it's, the same, it's the same problem. Like the the idea, like the writing style is very of an era.
0: Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Can I ask you guys a question? Does anybody know what the ring, the jar, and the wheel are? It's the only- No idea. What? It's the only DC one I don't know. I have no, no. idea. Me neither. Yeah. I, I just went with it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, same. Yeah.
1: Uh, Randy chimed in. First of all, oh, hell yeah. And then, um, so I think Randy thought you were talking about uh, Final Crisis, because that's what I thought as well. He says, which J.H. Williams does on a regular basis, Noel. He's,
3: he's talking about the no. panel layout. Yeah, he's talking, oh, about, okay. he's
1: talking about how J.H.
2: Yeah. Williams' panel yeah. layout sometimes is style over, like, actual Oh, story for power. sure. But the
1: Batwoman stuff is so difficult to, to read, but it's beautiful to look at. Yeah. yeah, but
3: the writing, it doesn't ask you to over-challenge the, like, um, so Rucka would underwrite
2: Yes, because
3: like yeah. he would write it out, but he would pull dialogue from it because like the the you know the works on the page, so your eye would move. Whereas this is this is a very very written book. Uh, uh, go ahead.
1: I was going to ask, um, do you guys have a favorite bit from? Because I have a favorite bit from this first issue. And mm-hmm. I thought we could go through real quick before we move on to the next
2: issue. Len, do you have a favorite bit? Um, it it wouldn't be. F- fair for me to say because like because you have my book so I didn't get a chance to look through it. Um and all of my but in my head it's all good dog. All of my favorite bits I think actually happen in the third issue. So it's fine. <laughs> okay.
0: Uh Brian. Uh let's see. So you know that flash one really stood out at me and I'm just I'm just going through now. Uh, you know the JLA and Avengers meeting for the first time is cool. I think I'm going to have to go with the assemblage of the objects of power because it's a lot of fun, you know, uh-huh. to see all of them.
3: Nice. No, I think it's the same as yours if you just want to go.
1: Sure. Uh, so basically, we have Batman doing the Oracle thing, which is he is commanding all of the different teams of what they need to do, and he's like, "Whatever you guys, we're, we're you know, we're going into this Marvel universe. Do not instigate oh. anything. We're just there to we're just there to do recon. Do not." And he's like, literally tells each person, um, like, "Cause I think Martian Manhunter and Wonder Woman go to Genosha, and they're like, they nuked all of these people because they were different. This sucks," and they're like. Whatever you do, don't engage. And then, and then oh, oh, I was going to say, real
2: quick, we should probably lay out who, the, like the the lineup for each team. It okay. changes constantly. Well, I mean, yeah, but at least originally. task. But but at least originally, because I think it's it's pretty much it's set for the first two books.
0: Well, we've got okay. Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern, Wally West, Flash. Uh, the Atom subs in for Wally and is there with them. I think for the rest of the time and plastic Mark man Cameron.
2: plastic man and is an aquaman there too
0: and yeah. aquaman yeah, yeah it's
2: basically the grant morrison big i was going to say big 7 yeah. but yeah
0: yeah
2: right the big yeah. 7 plus the the atom and um, plastic man yeah mm-hmm. and then the avengers is cap iron man thor wasp um, i think giant man yeah um,
0: vision and vision, scarlet witch
2: scarlet witch and hawkeye
0: yeah. and quicksilver is quick,
2: that's yeah. right quicksilver right that's right yeah all right okay
1: cool. so batman is um telling uh telling everyone not to engage with the marvel universe but then he happens upon the punisher who's just <laughs> straight up murdering people yeah. uh and it, it does a quick cut from the punisher uh shooting a bunch of people to all of a sudden plastic man being like are you even listening to yourself <laughs> so yeah. he's, he spends uh He spends 20 minutes beating up some loon in Kevlar to save some drug dealers? (laughs) It was such a funny bit. I love that.
0: You know, I totally forgot that that was in there, and it was awesome. And It is the takedown of the Punisher, who is like... "Eh." Yeah.
2: (laughs) And you know what makes that... And I don't even... If I I remember that um, box um, right, correctly, what makes it... Sells it is that Plastic Man is... You know, he's Plastic Man. He's all extended. He's like, what? Do you even Listen and everybody's kind of like looking at him like yo Batman really did you do that and batman's just sitting there just stoic he's just like
3: yeah what yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah my favorite panel in this entire book i think is in issue 4 of batman just having a cup of coffee it, uh,
0: that, oh T- later yeah. on he was brought by Jarvis.
3: yeah so weird i my my enjoyment of this book did like go up and down like i i mm-hmm. it was hard to get in but then around like the end of two all of three into, like, the middle of four, I was like, all right, it's, this is enjoyable. This is cool. But then it just, it takes 45 minutes to end, like, a Hobbit movie. I'll, I'll give you that. Oh,
1: Randy right. says um, the ring, yeah. bell, and wheel are used to summon the Demons 3. Abnegazar, Ab-Negazar. Wrath, and Gast What's that? Abba... Abnegazar.
2: Uh, or
0: Abnegazar... Ab-Negaz- I don't know. Wrath and Gast Abnegazar yeah. is how I would... T- Abnegazar.
1: Yeah. Abnegazar. Um anyways. Oh, I also I also really liked uh, when they go to Monster Island and Kyle Rayner <laughs> is like, those are some great looking monsters though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I gotta say, one of my one of my favorite things about this is going back to a time when we had Kyle Rayner and Wally West as the Green yes. Lantern in Flash. Yeah. I <laughs> love them, man. they they were yeah. my GL and Flash growing up. So I was and- very happy to revisit them.
0: And in my favorite costume for Kyle Rayner, personally, yeah, yeah, I love that the
1: glowing white green lantern with like the three segments.
0: It's a cool look. He had amped up his power ring at the time. In fact, to jump ahead just a little, I remember when this came out, and Barry and Hal were there, and I was like, "This is awesome!" You know, we get a return to these guys, and I almost found myself because now Barry and Hal are back in the comics, which I love. But I almost found myself being like, eh, it would be nice to have a little more of Wally and Kyle as a return these days, you know?
2: Because I always... And that's why I wanted to point out the lineup, because whereas the Avengers lineup is very much, especially at that time, the classic Avengers lineup that you would want to see. Maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, you might nitpick. Some people might want to throw She-Hulk in there or or the Mm -hmm. Beast or whatever. But you almost always want... Cap, Thor, Iron Man, Scarlet Witch, Vision, Wash, Giant Man, you mm-hmm. got them and you can stick mm-hmm. anybody else with them. Um, the Justice League is pretty much still the same, but as far as the names, but yeah. having yeah. Kyle Rainer's, um Green Lantern and Wally West's. Flash gives it a whole different perspective because then it's the youth with these more mature superheroes. You know what I mean? And it, it's a whole different dynamic, which I think I always love that. I loved it. I think it's missing from the books. Same, same. Yeah.
1: Um, so, our basically, this issue wraps up with um, the both teams finally coming head to head at the um, Fox storage facility. <laughs>
0: Sure. Classic sure. location. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Everyone knows that location, the storage facility. Oh, um, yeah,
2: who was Fox? Uh, who are they alluding to when they say Fox? Gardner Fox. Gardner Fox. That's right. Gardner Fox, ah. a long time writer, writer
3: of the Justice I a, League. I think a potty break. We're still on She One. So basically they
1: um uh, uh, are about to go head to head. And both both of the um, teams are feeling very aggressive, more aggressive than usual. Yeah. Um, and we've got um, Thor clocking Superman with the hammer.
2: Yes. And I don't want to cut your thought. Go, continue. continue. Yeah, and that's the end of the issue. Go back to that scene where you see them both. They're, they're on the Fox building and the the Justice League are on, I think, a, like a construct from Green Lantern. If you look at that it that page... And then if you look at Kurt Busiek and George Perez's run on Avengers, when they come back, Avengers Reborn, there is a storyline where the Avengers go up against the Supreme Squadron, who were basically uh, Marvel's pastiche of the Justice League. And what George Perez is doing, he's cribbing his scene that he drew in that book of when they first met. It's the exact same layout.
1: No, I had no idea. Yes, because
2: well, is the beast! Well, well also, I don't know if you it.
1: remember, Len, they specifically re- they re- specifically referenced the Squadron Supreme in this, because he's like, I think it's Hawkeye, yes, right? It's Hawkeye, like, these guys yes. look really familiar. Who are these guys? Yes. I know! They're just a pastiche of the Squadron Supreme. <laughs> yes. you
3: know, yeah. He's not that eloquent. I think he just says knockoffs. Like, these <laughs> yeah, are the yeah. Squadron yeah. Supreme yeah. knockoffs. Yeah.
1: So then we get to issue two. Which go. I got to give it up for the covers of the, these issues, Ooh. man.
0: Yo, is uh, there a poster of issue three? Does issue three have a poster with everybody on the cover? Oh, I would. I bet. Totally there's be. got to be. You know? That's yeah.
1: huh. What's that? Oh, he's. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, so what happens in issue two, Brian?
0: So we've got the prologue is the pre-Guardians. Uh, as I had mentioned earlier, you know, we get a quick overview of Krona being cast out. Um, and, but they don't want to kill him because they don't like doing that. And so they turn him into bodiless energy, which Mm -hmm. is maybe a harsher punishment. And, uh, um, and then, you know, he comes back to wreak havoc. We get a shot of Kismet, who I was always a big fan of. So you've got the two universes, the, um, what is it? Infinity in the Marvel universe.
2: Yeah. That is
0: Kismet who was in action comics in like the nineties ish. And the title of this one, "Contest of Champions," another Marvel reference. So it opens with this fight, and you know we're in it now, and it segues very quickly into. I know Noel and and JD like this, and I can't imagine Len doesn't. The fight between, well, the mental fight almost between Cap and Batman, where so they, good. they so take good. each styles and and measures and figure out. Well, maybe you would win. Yes? No?
3: No this is the most measured part of the entire four issue series. This is the most, um, the, the best paced measure, like he takes the dialogue out, which makes it gorgeous. This Mm -hmm. is the most effective part of the entire goddamn book.
1: I love it. And I I, I just want to always want to happen when I was growing up and, you know, two big teams who are good guys would fight each other in the big, mighty Marvel fashion. I've like, just say hi just be like are you guys good because we're good oh let's hang out and have a pizza dope and they never do that so the fact that the two um tacticians are sort of like feel each other out and then they go uh do we really need to fight no all right let's work together great let's go over here i i was blown away i love that part Mm -hmm.
2: i like that part too The, 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 the thing that kind of in my head was that Batman is definitely the guy who will just dip off to the side and while y'all just keep working it out. Yeah. It it all all it struck me as like he got in Captain America's head a little bit cuz Captain America probably would be Well no, let's like calm everybody else down. But Batman's mm-hmm. like, "No, no, 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 no. Just you and me. Come here."
3: Yeah. Come here. Come yeah. Here. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, when I first read that too, I was like, this is so weird like Cap would not let everyone else get their asses handed to them <laughs> just to go like That's figure a out point.
0: a <laughs> However, the however
3: it? at the same time though, he's written like a dick and Superman's written like a dick. So I was just like, you know, whatever, just keep going.
0: Right? There's also a tactical reason. I think Batman's like, no, 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 let them do that. Or else whoever is causing them to do this will notice. I don't like, think mm-hmm. he either
3: would do that though.
0: Um, But you're right about the dick part, which comes up later. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, we also have. I like the uh, idea that as soon as Wanda Maximoff comes into the DC universe, her chaos magic explodes, and she's yes. wicked uh, powerful. But it's also draining her just to be in that universe. I really do love how the differences of the universes mm-hmm. affect the characters who tap into those primordial yeah. um, magics. You know, I think yeah. that's really cool. We yeah. even get that. Is that in this issue where we come across Darkseid with the um, Infinity Gauntlet? Is I believe scary? so. Because yeah. that's awesome too. We're like, oh yeah. shit! Darkseid's got the Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, it doesn't work. That's cool. He's fine.
0: Yeah, he's <laughs> <laughs> maybe scarier than Thanos. Yeah, Hawkeye says. Um, yeah, that that interplay is some of my favorite stuff of the whole series. It's like, how would it be if this character interacted with the DC universe or other way around? Mm-hmm. And I I kind of wonder if part of that is why it didn't happen because Marvel is depicted as being less powerful and smaller. And I think that in 2004, Marvel was embracing their street-level nature. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, and he's like, I can feel that it should work, but it does <laughs> Which is yeah. something that Jonathan Hickman then carried on with—that in, in, uh, Infinity Gems don't don't work in other universes.
3: Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. true.
3: I did. I did make a joke, like you know, all trashing aside. I did make some jokes in our thread. Uh, and it wasn't, like, based off of, I think this is trash. It was just, like, this is kind of funny. But I did I do love um, Corona's character design. It's like dad bod Lobo. He is. <laughs> yeah. He is. Yes, I'll give you that. He isn't clearly blue
0: either, you yeah. know. He could easily be pale it's white. Like, yeah, he,
3: he takes out his frustrations on the universe because his wife won't talk to him kind of guy. Like, he looks <laughs> awful. It's awful.
2: It's true. Well, his power le- – see, one thing that – and I don't think I really gave a fuck any time that I've read it. But now I can't help because I'm with you guys, and I'm especially with, you know, the Harry Wookiee named Noel now reading these books through his eyes. So now I'm like, his power levels, they do kind of, like, go all over the place. Because, like, he's this guy, first of all, like, the logic of – I want to find out how the universe began. So I'm going to kill all the destroy all these other universes. Like that doesn't sound that doesn't it, make any sense.
0: Well, no. it, it, it's like a, it's
3: a scientist who is murdering mice, intentionally murdering mice to see what it's like when they die. Like yeah, that, I think yeah, that's yeah. the only analogy I can come up with it.
1: Well, the but thing he, that the thing that I thought was funny was going back to issue 1 a little bit was uh before we were even introduced to this character, he's like these big glowing eyes, these big, crazy glowing eyes in the sky. And he's like screaming, tell me, answer right. me. And then no one responds. So he's like, fuck it. I guess I'll murder everybody. <laughs> right. 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 i would. up a line too. of communication and be like,
3: that's
0: not,
1: Do you have questions you would like to ask us. Let's, some, let's some have the, a dialogue. <laughs> some of the
3: air was like taken out of the balloon too. And it's just like these big ominous eyes that destroy universes. And all of a sudden it's Lobo laid on child payments like, right. <laughs> also,
0: he's not, he's not destroying the universes. He's, his probes destroy the universes. He's trying to find the answers. I see. And he's not trying to destroy them, but he doesn't give a shit if they are destroyed.
1: I see. Yeah. I was under the impression that he was like, tell me these things. I'm not going to tell you what I'm asking, but if you don't tell me the answer, it's kind of like doing your taxes. We know how much <laughs> you're supposed to pay us. We're not going to tell you how much we think you're supposed to pay us. You're going to have to guess <laughs> yeah. it. And if you don't get it right, we're going to send you to jail.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So anyway, yeah. issue two. <laughs> um,
0: all of the, all of the interactions. I was just looking at Cap uh, seeing seeing Jason Todd's outfit.
1: Oh, being, oh yeah, uh,
0: you lost yeah. the partner, and you know I did. Let's keep going. Yeah. And yeah. there are so many similarities with, and it's notable to. It's interesting to see the differences as these similarities interact between the two sets of characters.
3: This is when I started yeah, liking those, the book,
0: yeah, yeah,, uh, those are the more two.
3: important things I'm sorry, go ahead. yeah oh no, no, I like I, this is this is where I started really liking the book when they started playing with the 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 quiet moments, the similarities, and then you get like what ifs you didn't think about like if um Kyle Raynor decided to absorb the cosmic cube, what that would be like, yeah, but then never
0: really explored that's like so like, right with the whole it, book.
3: Well what what's the gripe that he can't do it? No, that, that
0: he turns into silver cosmic cube powered green lantern and you don't really focus on that at all. He it, just makes a few silver constructs and I was like, and he even notes like, "Oh, I thought it was just a charge, but it's so much more." There's no
3: there's no discipline in this story. Like it's <laughs> it's 45 pounds of plot in four yeah. issues.
2: Look, it's member berries, man. Like you know, you got to remember if this was Marvel and DC. If this was just one of the companies, yes, there'd have been a side miniseries with you know Silver <laughs> Kyle Rayner, but it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. So you you just put all the stuff into the
3: or book. don't do it. How about that? How about, how oh, about no? no. It, What's the fun
2: of that? that? No, 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 not
3: not do it all. I mean, it doesn't need to be a plot point if you're not going to do anything with it. But, but was- it's not a plot. It's It's a plot
2: point. It's something that happens. I mean, it's, but it's, it's just something fun that happens. It's like a big what if. Otherwise, then you've got people reading the book saying, oh, why didn't he try and charge himself up with the Cosmic Cube? So this just showed this was what would happen. And it's a
3: real quick thing. And it didn't need to be a big mini series. Yes. Could you have seen him do it more on more pages? There's no one or the other. It's not that super binary where it's like, I demand a four issue arc about this one thing that happens. It's just that it happens. They, make large enough note about it. It's it's a whole page. And then is it like yeah.
0: disappears? I, I, wanted
3: I, it. See,
0: I wanted to see more of it, but I'd rather see this than nothing. I mean, he charged up off yeah. the cosmic Cube. That's awesome. But
1: to go back to what you were saying, um, I um my favorite bits aren't things like, oh, who wins the Quicksilver or the Flash? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's those moments between Cap and Batman where they both yeah, yeah. have lost a sidekick and there's a moment of connection there. The, that's the more important stuff to me, the things I really like to see, not just yeah. like, oh, I wonder, you know, the, the comic book shop-like discussion of who would win in a fight. Right. I don't really care right. about that stuff. I want to see the emotional connection happen between the characters and um, yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but um, what else happens? Oh, I, I want to point out this, uh, this bit of dialogue from Superman where Thor and he are fighting and uh, Superman is able to stop Mjolnir Mm. Uh with his bare hands mm. and then he goes, Sorry to disappoint, but in my world it looks like the dials go up to eleven. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he had Thor had just said the nine realms, which I think is what that was a response to. But it's yeah. clunky.
2: It's very it's, clunky.
0: Yeah. It's clunky.
2: It's very clunky. And and I don't know if it's true Superman dialogue, no. but it's but you know, to to the story's point, that's where it's going, you know, in this comic book. That Superman is a bit of a dick, and there's no bigger dicks than the people from Spinal Tap. So that's yeah. who he's referencing. <laughs> well,
1: also, I mean, this is this is also some Superman dialogue. Tell yourself that, Mister. Ease yourself to sleep at night while you let your world go to hell. Where, where I come yeah. from, though, lives matter. And he's like, he looks like a demon.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so you spend a little too much on Dick Superman, and Cap doesn't get it as much. I, I agree. It's a little heavy, and it's for too long in the book before you figure out why this is the case. Well, I mean, yeah.
3: also, like, it's it's such a... Pro- for me, it was such a prominent part of the book that these characters are not acting like they're supposed to, whereas the rest of the world is, so there's a reason for it. But right. then it's resolved in three lines of dialogue in the middle of... Like, like it, the weight that it's given... Yeah. Isn't paid off much at all. It's just yeah. Like, why oh, is by it the
1: only way? Cap and soups
3: Because they're the Ooh, avatars yeah. or the the yeah. prime ideals of each universe. So with the universes merging, yeah. they're off poker Think of them as like the the polar, like the the ice caps. They they are like the them. polar it's
0: like doomsday clock. You know, it spells out that the the DC universe is intrinsically rooted with Superman, and it even makes sense that Superman would be more affected. Because he is more intrinsic to the DC universe than Cap is to the Marvel universe.
2: Right. You know? Oh, okay. Right. And it's only okay. Cap it's only Cap here because Spider-Man's not there.
0: Because, right. Or the Fantastic Four could also be considered. You know, they kicked it right. off. You know? And but that's why Cap isn't as intrinsic. Superman yeah. started it all. You know. Right.
2: But the, I mean, but the reason why to me it doesn't, you know play as well, right? I think it did definitely lean on Superman a little bit more because he's more in the action and more prominent in the book. Yeah. But it doesn't also it also doesn't play because Cap, you know, starting with this book, dips off to the side with Batman. You know right. what I mean? Right. So they're off on their they're off on their own. And therefore Cap doesn't necessarily feel as off because he's with Batman for the most part. It's only really till he's back with the team right, that you right. really get the sense of something really feeling askew with him.
0: Yeah.
1: So then uh the issue wraps up. Basically, we've finished the first part of the story where everyone has to go get their 12 MacGuffins and you know, it's a it's up to the JLA or the Avengers who's going to win, but then Batman and Superman figure out what's happening and they figure out Batman who needs Captain to America. win. I'm sorry, yeah, Batman and Captain America figure out who needs to win in order to uh save everybody. Right. Um, but then of course Krona, despite losing and promising to leave, says, "Nah, I'm nah, not going to do that." Thank and he know. and he uh starts pummeling on uh Galactus, uh which okay. causes which causes the not game master,
2: grandmaster. Oh, grandmaster.
1: The grandmaster to use all of those 12 items yeah. to sort of try and fix things. And yeah. then that takes yeah. us to issue three where shit gets real
0: weird. Yo, and Crona meeting up with Galactus in a story of great interactions is one of the best because mm-hmm. Crona always wanted to know what happened before the universe. Galactus has always been from the previous universe. Yeah. And it just aligns so well. It's so impressive, you know, yeah. uh to do that.
1: I thought so too. I was like, oh, that's right. Galactus is the yeah. guy. That's That's yeah. true, yeah. Plot-wise,
2: it's it's on point.
0: Yeah.
2: Hey, I mean, the, the book is it's Crisis on Infinite Earths if it was a Marvel DC production.
0: Yeah. We were hinted at in Doomsday Clock, if you guys recall. And uh, one of the upcoming crises was hinted Oh, up. it would
1: be a Marvel DC thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. So basically, we start off with the next issue, issue three, and we've got uh, – Things are askew. Things are not quite right uh, with the DC and the Marvel characters interacting with each other. Uh, The world's, there's a beautiful splash page of both worlds being forced together by some cosmic hands. And that is basically the reason that um, everything keeps shifting and changing and morphing and nothing is quite right with only Superman and Captain America really being aware of the changes. I'm flipping trying to find the friggin'. here we go. Oh, look at that. Both, both Erds, yeah. cool. Marvel and DC Universe, <coughs> smashed together. Um, and uh, so there's a lot of fun in here, too, of just everything's not quite correct uh, and the sh- the scenes keep shifting. And the one of the coolest parts, I think, was it starts snowing mm. and the people, the civilians are, who are there start freaking out because they're like, the snow brings... The ghosts. Yeah. Like, what is this even? So it's because the one realm, the one universe has. Uh, right. It's in winter. It's mm. in winter time, mm. and um, that brings the um, the civilians who are on the other Earth kind of in line with them, but mm-hmm. intangible. So it's very creepy, very cool, very fun. What did you guys think of this issue, Noel? Oh, real, guys- real
2: real quick, Noel, before you say that, JD, what is the title of this one? Ah. Uh.
1: Oh, uh Ronnie Strike, longtime listener of the spoiler alert podcast, uh says, Holy smokes, look at all of you guys. Jen, Len, JD, really great to hear you, cats, and you see the show.
0: Listen, Ronnie. Ronnie, hey, Ronnie Strike. Hey, Strike. Strange up, Adventures. Tulsa Strange Adventures.
2: Yeah, strange adventures. That, yeah. which is a DC yeah. title.
0: Classic uh, so like Adam Strange yeah. Home, I believe, right? Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, my my favorite little piece of um, tidbit in this issue is in one of the party scenes where they're having a luau themed get together, yeah. um, the two teams. Basically, we have one character wearing, I think that's Sue, is that Dibney?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Su- yes. Dibney
1: wearing a shirt that says, I heart it elongated. I like it elongated. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty
3: awful. Uh, actually, this issue, Amazing. Two things. this issue is probably like overall my favorite issue of the series. But then also, it's got one of my favorite panels for the dumbest reasons. Hmm. I will show you. Show us. Why the fuck is there a marquee on the outside of a satellite? Is there a (laughs) marquee? It
1: says Justice League America.
0: They got branding (laughs) on the outside of their space satellite. People fly around in space in this world, you know what I mean? It's a marquee. (laughs) There's a marquee on the
3: outside of the satellite. There's yeah, two, and
0: actually, that was There's like,
3: them. oh God, why?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: this is that's hilarious. This one panel encapsulates the entirety of of like the theme or the, like the tone of this book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> makes, I, don't I, question
0: it. Just do it. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I love the parties. I love the... Oh, the parties are cool. I the love best them part all being friends as though they always have. There's a nod to the classic mm. first reappearance of the JSA. Yeah. This is
3: my favorite issue. This is yeah. awesome. This is, this so is mixing up those characters. Like It starts with the Justice League defeating Doom and putting him in the source wall. That's cool. These yes. are all incredibly cool ideas, and we get to see all these characters kind yeah. of like interacting with each other, and not during fights, during just parties, they're like, just the best friends. scene in, in Age of Ultron, in the movie. Yeah. Like, you just see them interact with each other. Yeah. This was the I'm, a best issue.
1: I'm a sucker for the baseball uh, issues yep. of X-Men. Yeah. And, like, anytime people are hanging out and just enjoying each other's company in between a mission, mm-hmm. that, I love mm-hmm. that shit. Now, I have a question for you guys. Is there an editorial reason? Is there some broader reason outside of the story here? that we have switched from Kyle Rayner and Wally West to Barry Allen and Hal Jordan. I editorially?
2: Definitely. No, not editorially. No. Yeah, Because just be in the middle, story. it's
1: just all of a sudden we're going to change these characters. Yeah. I no. mean,
0: they started it in 1979. And I think they just wanted to use these two characters who had been gone. I mean, Hal was around, but he was the Spectre at the time. And Barry yeah. was like, you know, the byword for gone in comics along with along with bucky um so i I think they just wanted to use them
3: i think think that it's just a way for them to say that the timeline is shifting back and forth like i don't think that it was mandated and or let's do this now it was just it's just a very honestly confusing way to to give you a perspective of time and place which comes into effect well like more other confusing things happen in the fourth issue where <laughs> in the midst of pages, people are changing appearance, which I understand the reason why it's, it's so indicated cool. why, but it's not clear. It, it's just, it's, it's a mess yeah. to read.
0: Oh, I loved it.
3: I, had to, I a- had to go back and look up like, Oh, Hercules looked like that in the mid seventies. Because I didn't realize I, that was Hercules at first. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like it's not, it's, it's clear, but it's not smooth. It's not, it's not smooth. It's not smooth. It doesn't
2: hold your hand with it. That's true. Um, that's but not fair
3: to say. Like It doesn't have to hold my hand. It has to be uh, – um, yeah. Okay. I mean they Sorry. call him
1: Hercules, so I was able yeah. to go, oh, okay, that's Hercules. But I, mean, like, I
0: love timeline switching stuff, and I think that's just how timeline switching stuff is done. Like in the Justice League cartoon, when it shifts, it's always been that way. Um,
2: yeah. It, it, I mean the thing is you don't have the – with it not being a cartoon or a movie, you don't have the advantage of having like a little sound effect or something like that at the shift. Even though you, even though there could have been some things that could have could have done, you could have changed like the coloring. It could it could have definitely been smooth more smoothly done. That's Hawkeye in the um the costume that he wore in the sixties at one time. Um it's awful. It, it was an awful costume.
0: It wasn't like you're, Once you're in the swing of things shifting, they give you a dramatic energy. Yeah. Level, but then once you're in the swing of it, it's just like, yeah, things are going to be different every panel. But I have a question for you guys. I, Speaking of Hal and, and Barry being there, so as I remembered it, this was spelled out in the story. But I wonder if I missed a page because I didn't see it, that because they were friends, right, nothing went that wrong. Like, you see when they see their their true histories, their earlier histories, Superman is killed by doomsday. Uh Uh, You know, like all these terrible things happen. And I thought they spelled it out, but it might just be in my memory. That like, with the combined power of the DC and Marvel universes, no problems were that bad. Barry didn't need to die. Nothing bad happened to how you could always call the Avengers if Doomsday shows up. You can call the Justice League if the Kree Scroll War happens. You know that was, the, so, that was
3: the conflict of this issue. That's why this was my favorite issue. The the, okay. the point of them realizing that this is not real and right. then being shown what real is and how awful it is and then okay. having to make the hero's choice of yeah. going back to resetting like, it. That's why and and that's yeah. that was the for me that was the only reason why like it was it was fine that it was like all of a sudden Hal and Barry now because they have to make the choice to no longer be there for the greater good of these two worlds. Right. That was that, sad. Yeah. This was the oh. issue.
2: Yeah, yeah. 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 That's what I was going to say. It wasn't, sense. it wasn't an editorial thing. It was story wise. Yeah.
3: Why yeah. you, you didn't yeah. even
2: get that. That's awesome. Yeah. You make the switch to those two, which is why my favorite part. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's in this issue is when, you know, I mean, I love the whole party thing and I love like the the um one of those one of those like a, at the party at Avengers Mansion, one of those pictures that are on the wall is actually a reproduction of a famous um picture that Perez did back in the 70s to promote this sto- this story was going to happen.
0: Oh, no, no, but, that's you know, not Perez. That's Carmine or that's the original return of the Justice Society. The, the, no, that's the, not
2: even the one I'm talking about. Oh, it, right. there, there's, there's one. As a matter of fact, it's, it's not a picture on the wall. It's a panel. Mm. It's a panel of them all running at each other. That is a reproduction of a promo piece that, that he did. Yeah, that one right there. Can. That, yeah, that's a reproduction oh, okay. of something that Perez did back in the 80s to promote the book <laughs> that never happened. Oh, um, that makes sense.
0: But yeah, you wonder th- why they're facing off in that panel; otherwise, right. they wouldn't be.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was just all because of that. But yeah. um, the my favorite bit in this was when they all decided that you know they've got to make this this ultimate sacrifice, and they're all getting together. I think they're trying to retrofit one of the Avengers Quinjets or something like that to to take this journey. Yeah, and th- you see the multiple panels of them all having conversations.
3: That's the best part around that's an round... issue 4
2: oh is an issue 4 i'm sorry yeah. i'm sorry i, I thought there, it was in the, this issue
3: that's also the, that's also the scene where batman's just like fuck secret identities
2: yeah exactly
3: yeah. <laughs> All right, well i've already i i gave it away I, I thought it was in this
2: issue but that is my single favorite part of this entire yep. i mean th- this mini like that alone that and the, the, the party in this one the, in this issue and that scene yeah. and now I know issue four, made it all worthwhile. Yeah, this I just is the love best their issue. conversations with one another.
3: This is the best issue. That's the best scene. All of them kind of pairing off and talking. Like the the quiet before the final battle. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the best my part favorite, of a war movie. Yeah, My favorite
1: part of this issue is actually what we were talking about earlier, where um, all of the characters are witnessing what will happen if they put things back to normal. Yeah. Um, all of the the horror and the sacrifices that they've all made and the transformations that they all underwent. Uh, I thought that was really powerful. Um, You know, Barry Allen seeing uh, how he dies on crisis, crisis on infinite earths and um, you know, Batman seeing, you know, him having his back broken, him losing Jason Todd, all of this stuff. uh, And still making the choice of, yes, this is more important. We have to go back and, and, live out these sacrifices and make sure they happen in order for things to be correct. Um, I thought it was really powerful. And I think it's, yeah. it's the whole reason you read comic books is for, yeah. you know, to watch bigger than life characters make the hard choices. And uh, it meant a lot to me. I thought it was really cool that that particular scene. Yeah. 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 Me too. Um, and so basically they all, they all do that at the end and they're like, we're going to team up. Yay. And then issue four happens, which look at that. Look at that. Whoa, Superman whoa. holding Mjolnir and Captain America's shield. Get the, get out of here.
0: What mm-hmm. Oh my.
1: So cool. good. So good. Um, now this is my least favorite issue. All I right. think one, two, and three are awesome. Uh, and I don't think it was because I was reading it at 2am in the morning. Um, <laughs> there's so much happening here and it's, everything is shifting so quickly and jumping so almost randomly Mm-hmm. That it it it's hard to keep track of. Like, there's really cool stuff in here, like that scene you were talking about, Len, where they're all putting together the Quinjet and working together. I think that's awesome. Oh, that's yeah, so
0: cool. Yeah, but yeah. then
1: everything sort of just bubbles over and becomes kind of a mess. Where I guess George Perez wanted to draw every single character that had ever been put on a page. True. Um, True. And so you know, villains were showing up, other heroes were showing up and changing into other heroes. Um, it, it was kind of hard to keep a grasp on. And I think that's purposeful uh, that they did that specifically. Um, but for me, it just kind of lost the thread and it became, you know, I was I'm thinking of a, a movie I saw where uh, it's not Guns Akimbo because that's not out yet. But basically it was an action movie around the time of Sin City where there's just so much shooting that it shoot becomes up. meaningless. Shoot, shoot him, him up. up. Mm. Perfect. Mm. I, I was, I was excited to watch shoot him up. Cause I thought it looked big and crazy, but there's so much shooting in that movie. And there's so much action that never dials past, you know, down below 11. <laughs> this, uh, <that laughs> it's, it's, it's infuriating. And it was kind of boring for me at, at, after a while.
3: This, this made me think like you mentioning that it's, it's a problem I had with when I was reading it the other night also, but since mentioning it at the beginning of the show, (laughs) it made me think of the end of Next Wave. Do you remember? No. They did, as a joke, because it parodies this perfectly, it's a series, it's like 12 splash pages over and over again. (laughs) Over and over again. Like the same action, just with different characters, and there's no transition for it. (laughs) To make the joke that it could, like, we're so edgelord, we're going to come down your throat. And just like over and over the same action scene with different characters, Mm -hmm. action scene with different characters. And it was, it's what this kind of felt like. It was constantly switching and changing and switching and changing. And it's just big action to the point where I think I'm losing track of the story. Like, same here. I
1: I didn't know. Not to say that I don't like things like this though.
0: Oh yes. Yeah.
1: Electric Superman, blue Superman. And I thought that was dope.
0: (laughs) I, I
3: almost forgot. Halfway through it, I almost forgot. Like, wait, where are these bad guys coming from? No, yeah, like, yeah. Turn it in. the The conflict, the conf the the main conflict, started to lose clarity for me or steam for me because all it was was bombast. Yep, which is my problem. It's just yep.
0: hard. That that happened hard. to me. I would say for like one page, I was like, eh, it might be a little much. But the trade-off of like here is everything, <laughs> you know, <I> <laughs> so into that. It was, you know, like switching back and yeah. forth. You got costume, you got that hero replaces this hero and certain like interesting things like um, the two captains, Marvel saying, thank you to yeah. Doctor light Dr. Light, who whose costume design and powers are very similar to Monica Rambeau's captain Marvel, uh, which I hadn't picked up on at the time. Huh. Um, yeah. so those kinds of things. So just for the chance to see like yeah I I I can't argue I don't disagree that all that happened that it was so bombastic but I was in you know yeah. and I really thought that they did a great job of throughout the whole series of of saying like all right DC gets this Marvel gets this and you know win or whatever and to have Superman be like Cap you should be the tactician that's leading the team excellent choice and then to have him commanding everybody through John Johns, you know, uh, doing everything, it was just perfect. Um, yeah. Batman being the one that already slips into the place that he was going to tell him to go is excellent. And I mean, the best of all is Cap, the conversation about him giving him the shield, you yeah. know, um, you know, Cap's a tactician, Soup's gets the shield, and then him wielding it throughout, you know, I mean, it was, uh, you get those more quiet moments Is, in the beginning.
3: Does anyone else kind of love how Perez draws She-Hulk?
1: Oh, I do. Yeah. yeah. Her yeah. face. There's something really um, charming about the way he it's, draws her face. Like a Terry
3: Moore face. It's amazing. Yeah.
0: No, I have
1: noticed that a couple times.
2: Yeah. Then, I, what did you think? I, I, I mean, I enjoyed the whole thing. I, there, there's a part of me that, kind of agrees with no assumption, uh, uh, assessment of the last issue where, you know, the, the fight becomes a little bit unwielding a little bit and yeah. hard to keep track of. And part of it is because I get the sense of, you know, having followed Perez his whole career that I can t- kind of like see where Okay, I think Perez is doing like really like some very loose layouts on this one, and and g- has given over a little bit to his anchor. Um, yeah, especially because you know, you know, uh, this was a lot to do, and as you mentioned before, there was a a big wait between issues three and four. You can see why because he Perez always wants to put. Everything on the page the man does not he does not take a day off um but I think some of that that deadline started to show a little bit in the artwork yeah. um so. That's what. That's why I think that it feels as unwielding as it does, but it does have those cool moments. I love Batman slipping away, but I love Captain America saying, "And Batman, oh well, yeah, I know he yeah. knows what he's going to do." You know, like Bat- <laughs> You know, Captain America knowing who he's working with. Like, yeah. okay, you're going to go do that.
0: You know, he does, um, it. Yeah, he does it to all of us.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know. <laughs> um, so I dug it. I dug all the the little the little moments of it. Um I even love flash forward to the end when after all is said and done because spoiler alert, they win. Um Spoiler alert.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's the name of the show. Thor.
2: There you go. Thor is Superman tries to pick back up Thor's hammer. And he's like, wait a minute.
1: Wait a minute. (laughs) Just to hand it to him too. He's like, oh, I'm next to it. I'll grab it. What the hell?
0: (laughs) Now, how can we, how can we reason that out? Right. Superman is the most noble, but he's not a warrior. So maybe that's why he's not worthy of it. Or maybe Um, he's from a different universe. Who knows?
3: I don't know, I think it, it, the, it's kind of explained as like in a time of need, it'll peek yeah. out, but then also in so much as he wielded it for the most part based off of inertia.
0: Well, so that's the Like that's it was him, and then he just directed it. That's how I had remembered it, but he does hold it. Although guys, we are kind of burying this huge, mu- I mean, this is this is an all out battle, you know, nothing held back Kind of, kind of scene that we're in now. And Thor, as he is going down, tosses Mjolnir to Superman. Yeah, who true. In. And Superman is now empowered with the Thunder God's abilities and wielding mm-hmm. Mjolnir. And he's got cap shield. I mean, what a phenomenal moment. Well, in he, only,
3: cool. he only does the one swing and then has it for a second and then it goes down. It doesn't like wield it. So it it's is like, true.
0: yeah, yeah, like you said, like inertia. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the one thing that I was thinking of the Avengers movie. I'm like, well, Cap wields it in that, and he doesn't here. Yeah, it says he's got the power. Like you know it by the dialogue. Yeah, but, um, and then he gets blown away too. So that's some powerful stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but, one of the
1: neat little things that I thought was kind of cool in here, despite all of the big craziness that was kind of hard to follow. I like for some reason the shield keeps changing. So Superman oh, yeah. has Captain America's shield. Right. And then it goes back to being his yeah. original mm-hmm. sort of like triangular shield
2: mm-hmm. and at one point
1: yeah, yeah. it disappears because there's a period of time where Captain America's shield was broken, and he had like a hologram <laughs> shield right, on his right. Right. yeah, so it goes back to cap,
3: so yeah. I thought that was really cool. hey, how do you guys feel about the the so the the the, the day is one because <laughs> Hawkeye and Flash fake their deaths
1: Eh.
0: It Was all right, maybe Superman with Mjolnir and Captain America's Shield would have been a bigger, more momentum. Yeah. Well, I like the idea that it was like the human
3: just shooting an arrow after a distraction, but yeah, the idea of 10 pages ago they were disintegrated and throughout the course of this fight, a, a plan was hatched like, yeah, it was right. a little weird.
1: And, and also, the, the day is one because of uh TNT Arrow, yeah, Dynamite yeah. Arrow against yeah. this giant. This, you know, cosmic being who destroys universes. It's all right, guy. I blew up the disco ball with my arrow.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like Flash, Barry, I can see being part of, but it's like Hawkeye. (laughs) The the most powerful guy, you know. But it doesn't give us Thor mourning Barry and Hal, which is pretty cool. Yeah.
2: I didn't mind it it, because it's. It's old school comics, so yeah. I didn't mind it at all. Um, I also, t- to you, um, it being Hawkeye, Hawkeye, who has no lack of self-esteem, sure. Um, sure. <laughs> I actually like them kind of like giving him the moment to shine yeah. of yeah. like
3: the win, you know? So the I people, I, I have no issue with the people that are involved. Oh, yeah. It just comes out of literally nowhere.
2: But you, yeah. But you know what? But you know what? I mean... That type of stuff, but that happened in it, comics. The argument all the time.
3: is, oh, that's classic, old school. That's yeah. fine, but it in this context, I was like, okay.
0: Does it remind yeah. anybody else of the end of Zero Hour, where Green Arrow shoots? He's like the one that shoots Parallax. I didn't read Battle Zero Hour. Hour. Oh, no. oh,
1: I forgot about Ooh. that. Yeah, he does. Yeah, Ooh.
0: and I didn't understand at the time that you know because I was much younger. I was like, oh, they're they're really good friends. When I thought about it in later yeah. years, yeah. Um, but it kind of reminded me of that.
1: Well it, it shoots it him will... right in the in the logo, doesn't he?
0: Right in the logo. Yeah. Right in the logo. Oh. Yeah.
3: Green arrow takes out
0: Parallax. Oh right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay.
3: I do know that. He kills his best friend, yeah. I yeah. only know that because I read the Kevin Smith Green or Green
1: yeah. Arrow.
0: Right, right. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Um uh, so basically, uh, oh, and then we have a nice scene with the specter. Ah. I, I I, 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 have a soft spot for some reason for the Hal Jordan specter. I don't know why.
0: Yeah, but, um, me neither.
1: It's him moving across. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it brought Hal back. I mean, that was cool.
1: That's what it was. Plus, look at the outfit, man. I love the look of
0: And it's a cool the look of it. It's like a comic yeah, fan making a character thing. It's a cool outfit, yeah. and they work together. It's interesting.
2: Yeah. And that so image and that... He, image, he and that image is an homage to Perez's image yeah. of the Spectre yeah. pushing um, pushing the, the Earth's back in crisis, the original Crisis of Infinite yeah, yeah. Nice.
1: Yeah.
0: Thank
2: you, Len. That's awesome.
0: And he didn't usually have the Green Lantern symbol when he was the Spectre, right? It was just an empty circle.
3: It was just yeah. a way to tell the audience, really. Right, right, yeah, he right. was, it was that in the mask.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which but made yeah, no yeah, sense. Why have a mask. Very cool. So then
3: the twist at the
1: end here seems to be that Metron and the Game Master. No. Game Master? Grandmaster.
2: Grandmaster.
1: Grandmaster. Damn it. Uh Metron and the Grandmaster have been, had sort yeah. of set all of this up to begin with. Which I was like, yeah. wait, what?
3: Yeah, so Metron Metron apparently uh it was like he, he pitched it to Grandmaster. Yeah. Like, hey, okay. this guy's about to come to our universe, and he's gonna fuck shit up. But I have an idea: if I divert him to you, we yeah. can hatch this plan to do this thing.
1: And then yeah. we're gonna. But then we'll have this egg. Yeah,
3: yeah. We so, like, back. everybody wins, which I thought was actually kind of cute. Like, he's cool. a part of this egg, so eventually, when it hatches, he'll be able to see what it's like when a universe is born. Yeah, you win your game, and we're all not dead. Yay! Yeah. Yay!
0: yeah. I like that. Uh, you know, the the game everybody wins is that Grandmaster has rarely been a part of. But the, uh, the Cosmic Egg shows up later in a Kurt Busiek story, many years later. In, um, do you remember the weekly, get ready for this. <laughs> it's, um, do you remember the weekly series after 52? I think it was right after, called Trinity. That oh, yeah. Oh, yes. wrote, it was not uh, nearly as good as I thought it was going to be. It was not easy to read. And that cosmic egg was what started ostensibly the earth one series of graphic novels. This is that egg. Yeah. Oh yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I don't think they paid attention to it with Kronas appearances later, but this egg shows up in Trinity and that was earth one. But then I think when that didn't do well, they probably just were like, no, 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 no earth one is earth one. It's all, don't worry about (laughs) Trinity.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Trinity, that was supposed to be like the gap year of the three of them during one year later but it was yeah. <sighs> Randy Green just yelled Trinity <laughs> falling down a cliff because no one else read it. Trinity! I, mean,
0: <laughs> it was I was, Oh man. It looked like it was going to be so good.
1: I was so stoked. It, I was like, yeah. you got the three main Trinity. Bagley, oh too. my
3: God.
0: And Kurt Busiek like, writing it. Yeah. As
3: soon as like when Bagley left uh, Marvel, Infinity. that was his first like big thing. Like he was going to, yeah. cause he was yeah. known to be really fast, yeah. you know, yeah. double shipping on fucking ultimate Spider-Man.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: I remember I only read like three of them and I was like, ah, I don't care about
0: I think this. I read the first handful. And then I, I just read oh, yeah, every single one. It was...
1: You said, Grand- Randy agrees. That was a weird book.
0: It was a weird <laughs> book. Uh, but I like, I like how this one ends with, you know, Metron. Metron is always, I love Metron. Yeah. Um, you know, the investigator with his chair, his Mobius chair. And I, I always love a good white space, you know, between two cosmic mm-hmm. entities and the whole like, hey, it's not so hard for these guys to cross. Like it, the Flash, it was difficult because it was such a different universe. Yeah. Could cross again, maybe someday, you know, yeah. hasn't happened.
1: Leaving it. Yeah. Leaving it open for another, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, crossover in the future. So yeah. my um, biggest
3: takeaway from this book is that I'm going to, I'm more excited to reread uh, Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds. That was Oh, <laughs> that was I'd really
1: actually like to read. I'd like to read Zero Hour. Mm. Is that what that was?
3: I would like to read the description of Zero Hour. Yeah, I don't think you need to read Zero Hour. The description no. of
0: it is great, and it also brought <laughs> like I, I mean that was Hyper. No, no, that was that was Kingdom.
3: Um, no, that's Hyper Time.
0: No, Hyper Time was, uh, or was that Hyper Time? What was Kingdom after Kingdom Come? Then Kingdom was, that was disappointing,
2: is what that was. Kingdom was not no. Hyper Time. Hy- hyper Time was Zero Hour.
3: Hyper
0: time zero, yeah, right. like
3: it was zero. like It was created in the flashbook, but the whole idea of it is, okay. is why they were going back in time and erasing it. Yeah. Right. I
0: had a, I had a poster with like a two sides. One was Batman in the middle and all the different versions of Superman. So one was I love, characters.
3: I love omnibuses just like large collections of things. And the zero hour one, which was I think released last year mm. is beautiful. Yeah. Like it's, it's the, the color is, is awesome. Like the, the fold out, uh, binding is just really cool and yeah. super colorful, and the spine looks awesome. Yeah. I don't give a shit about it. Though. Yeah, well, I got you. I would not I love, buy it just to like.
0: I love it looks cool. I
3: so. don't care about the story. Yeah. Um,
1: talking about coloring, uh, so Lens JLA Adventures Compendium has two covers. the The little guy has um, the pencils of this image, and the other one has uh, a digitally colored version of this and it mm. is god awful. Yes it uh, is. <laughs> someone someone just figured out how to use Photoshop for the first time and they decided to do this image with it. Um I wonder if I I wonder if, if you could see this. It's pretty bad.
0: I mean those um, early days of digital you know what I mean? We got some yeah. of that in the backgrounds of JLA Avengers just those like space scenes or yeah.
3: So yeah. this is nice. Look, do you do you guys so this is this is famously out of print.
0: Mm.
3: Yeah. Um, should it get a remaster, and or is this kind of th- is this the kind of thing that maybe we should jockey for, like cross promotional play in the same oh, sandbox was, yeah. kind of shit? Because yeah. I, if, if we're talking about like it being a, a a use case or a or a shining example for me, it's not. I like I love uh, George Perez art, but the story really didn't do that much for me. Like net yeah. positive. So I
1: think this should definitely be in print. I am flabbergasted that this oh, is not
3: in print. I think it should I
0: be mean, in print. I'm
3: talking about like if this is a, if this is an example of what they can achieve if they you know work together.
0: It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be though. I mean, this is a writer and an artist. This is years and years ago. Whatever they did now would be more modern because it's being done yeah. now. You know?
1: I would like to see this tackled now. I'd be and, awesome. I would love modern to see Marvel,
0: you know, because and see a little bit more of the other, you know, see Spider-Man, Fantastic Four. With DC, you kind of get everyone's in the JLA. Phantom Stranger shows up, but um, with Marvel, you know, you well don't get a- in
2: Marvel now almost everybody has an Avengers card.
0: Well, that's true. Yeah, true. Okay, so if it was done, Avengers Marvel, World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Now, uh, what
2: you- if it happened today, yeah, who is your writer and who's
0: your artist? Can we go, Mark Wade? I mean,
3: <laughs> Nick Darrington and Jeff Johns. Oh my God! Oh my God! Nick Darrington, Nick oh. Darrington, give it to him. Yeah, Nick Darrington and Jeff Johns. Actually, no. Like, not... let's let us let us do let's do uh uh who's mm-hmm. so it's it's Nick Darrington and co-written Jeff Johns and and Brian Bendis because they're
0: what the oh, that would be interesting Is Godfathers
3: that be of modern comics. Don't Nick don't Darrington know. and Mark Wade. B just said it. <laughs> oh, Mark Wade would be perfect. Thank you. I like
0: that. Yeah. I mean, I said it, but I still like it.
3: Can it, <laughs>
1: can it be? Um, ah, yes, I enjoy the thing. I agree with. Can it be? Can, that I I
0: like a, can it I be the perfect way. team? The
3: perfect team, like Fifty Two was. Like you've got like four writers jamming.
2: Mm. Uh, From their no. no, 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 Another no, no. Because then because then like fifty two, some some parts would read a little weird because Grant Morrison wrote it, yeah. it versus you know Jeff Carson. Johns writing this part. We yeah. invite
3: everyone but Grant Morrison, <laughs> <laughs> Wade, Wade Johns, <laughs> yeah.
2: All you need is Wade and Nick yeah. Darrington. Give them a year to knock it out, yeah. and that. But yeah. who's your Avengers and who's your JLA? Who's the team? Oh
3: Jesus Christ.
0: I mean, I like just expanding it to everybody. That's what I like so much about this is like Hi, you go, you go Hi, core, Katie. big seven, and you go core Avengers. You know, whatever. This team is good without Jack of Hearts or whoever was so emblematic of that time. And, uh, and then, but you quickly expand it to everyone. Um, I, I like that.
1: Yeah. I would say only include Doom Patrol and Power Pack. <laughs> like that. That's it.
3: That's, that's the team up everyone wants. I think I think to appease all of the fans online, you only include the cast of characters from all new Marvel, all new <laughs> all fresh. Uh, only only the replaced female minorities. Just <laughs> just that only that. I mean that, that. would, that. That would be a good. Just point. make everyone upset because because everyone like yeah. Everyone sucks. So let's just let's just swerve into it.
1: Hey guys, what do you want to do next week?
0: Oh, it's a good question. It's a good Thank question. Thank you. I
1: asked it.
0: Oh, um, well you did a great job. And it went up at the end, just like a question.
2: <laughs> I know I know I know what I would suggest. Oh. Uh Warren Ellis, Brian Hitches, um and only them run on the authority.
0: Uh, okay. actually guys, could we discuss this offline? Um, I have a, a family call. Okay, get the hell do. out of here. So I will see you guys later. Uh, I'm Brian Lee, <laughs> Uh, You know, if you need a design job, you let me know because I okay. can do one. All Love right, you, see you guys. Love you guys too. Enjoy. Jelly Avengers is phenomenal. Nice. <laughs> all right.
1: See ya. All right. Uh, thank God he's gone. What do you guys want to do <laughs> next? We decided without him altogether.
3: Yeah. Um. <laughs> let's redo the whole show. <laughs> how about how about something we all truly love, which is uh, The Dark Knight Strikes Again. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I was going to suggest another book. I was going to suggest Black Hammer.
1: Black Hammer Volume One. Sure. Yeah. Next week. Great. I have Jeff a, Lemire. Yeah, I- All right, guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, Next week, we will be streaming live yet again, probably Saturday at 11 or Sunday at 11. We're not entirely sure. Keep an eye on our social media to find out. Um, uh, I've been your host, Johnny Destructo.
2: With me this week was... Yo, what's up? Holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble of Black Tribbles. You can go to blacktribbles.com, check out all of our geeky podcasts, and we also are live streaming... um, in our Triple Nation fan book and Facebook page that as well as on YouTube. We got, actually got a stream coming up later on today. So uh, stay tuned for details on that as we continue our animated madness.
3: No, Love you. Uh, I just wanted to keep doing kisses. <laughs> just like white boy kisses. Um, <laughs> white boy kisses. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, if, <laughs> you can find me here, uh, sheltered in place in my nerd room or online at Mr. Bartoci, M-R-B-A-R-T-O-C-C-I on Twitter, or the social media pages, uh, because like I said, we're, we're stuck here, so we're being more active, which is maybe a good thing. So, holla. Holla, 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 holla. Hey,
1: guys. We're trying to cultivate a place online, a Facebook group oh. or page. I forget what it is. Um where uh, people can talk about comics and just have conversations back and forth. Um, so we created a Facebook page called uh, comics are for everyone except jerks. Uh, so join us there. If you guys want to chat, talk about your favorite comics. Um, Cause we want to get that up and going. We can and, link. To uh, there, right? anything else? Yeah, we can link that somehow.
2: Yeah. You could, stream- to do that? you could be streaming straight to there.
3: Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, nice. We-, we will next week. Yeah. So, yeah. um, the the basis of that too is the the fact that like we're on a lot of groups to have a community conversation and invariably there's always somebody that comes in and shits on the like shits the bed and just says everything is for SJWs and you're all stupid. Yeah. Which is not a worthy conversation to have. Yeah. So we So like, we can
1: have any any conversation but that. Yeah. I'm just tired of the internet being such a negative, shitty place to talk about comics. Um, oh, Randy says, This show needs more Brian. And well done, gents. Proud to know you, weirdos. Love you, Randy. Our son, the voice of reason. He's got a bunch of stuff up on his SoundCloud. He's got albums out. He's a dope ass rapper. You should go listen to him. And that is it. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk at you later. Bye bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check
0: out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded
1: live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA.